Realm and Ruin 2019. Let's Happy New Year and welcome to episode 20 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast so Warhammer we're still to be found on our sprues. <laughs> I'm your host Matt and joining me as always, a guy so deadly he hands out mortal wounds like milky bars, it's Cameron. <laughs> God, I hope I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, New Year, new Cameron, handing out yeah, mortal wounds. I guess I'm a lethal weapon now. <laughs> <laughs> you always were, mate. Things don't change. Oh, <laughs> Shooting that hobby knife of yours. Well, yeah, yeah, tra- fair enough. I have, a, I have an unusual amount of sharp objects. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Mm. Right, yeah, here we are. We're back. 2019. Did you have a good Christmas and New Year, mate? Oh, yeah, it was all right. It was pretty good. good. Uh, it wasn't crazy hot for once. Thank you. Yay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although it was hot in other part of the, parts of the country, I'm sure other people have seen this, but there was that Reddit thread about the guy who was driving for a couple of days and left his models in the car and they all, oh, yeah. like, disintegrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was in Australia. Cool. Oh, what? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I feel really bad for him, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I take it that's not happened to you then. <laughs> no, yeah. I've been I've been very busy making sure all my models are properly shaded, like kept in a nice cool area. <laughs> <laughs> ah, lesson learnt for that lad. Right, mm. okie dokie. Right, so what are we doing? Episode twenty. So we'll start off with our usual sort of hobby stuff. Uh, what we've been, you know, painting and getting over the Christmas and New Year period. Uh, mm. Then we're going to go into the news section as always, where you know, as always, Games Workshop decided to drop a lovely bit of news you know, the day before we record. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just a good thing about. we weren't recording yesterday. <laughs> uh, sadly, we would have missed it all. So it's like it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then, as promised, as per our last episode, the main law topic on this one is we're going to go through the law from the recent Vigilist Defiant book, mm-hmm. uh, which we can't wait to talk about. Um, and due to the length of that, just for this episode, we won't have a discussion topic at the end, just because we're yeah. going to have to try and cram it all in because there's so much goodness to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that'll be episode 20. Um, I'll do a few little bits just before we get stuck into the hobby stuff just to mix it up. Um, so, yeah, so if you like what we do and enjoy this episode, check us out on iTunes. If you'd like to give us a five-star review, it's all greatly appreciated. Um, if you ever want to support the show in any particular way, uh, you can buy us a coffee on uh, coffee.com slash Realm and Ruin. Uh, link will be in the show notes. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at Realm and Ruin. That's the main bit that we do our social media on. Uh, we're also on Facebook as well, so facebook.com slash Realm and Ruin. Um, also, in the notes of and uh, description of this uh, episode you'll be able to see our lovely discord server uh yeah. get on there lovely people as we always bang on about every single episode mm. <laughs> so i said go check that out um and also you've got our website as well www.realmandruin.com if you ever want to check out anything on there and also contact us <clears throat> 
So, uh, so yeah, that's the that stuff out of the way. Um, and I just want to do a couple of other little things. Um, just want to do a a bit of a shout out, really. It's something we were discussing on our Discord mm. server last night. Um, it's a particular YouTube channel that we come, some few of us have come across recently, which is called uh, Tabletop Titans. So um, it's only been going for about a month, and it's it's basically well, I say a guy and I think some of his friends that basically do uh, start to. 40k battle reports and like you know particular tactics i know we don't really cover the sort of competitive mm. you know side of things but it's a really good youtube channel and because they're only about a month old i thought well, let's give them a shout out you know get get the word out of them they're, they're definitely worth checking out um a few of us have really enjoyed you know for the videos that they've done so far uh, mm. we're not affiliated with them any any particular way it's just <laughs> you know just a personal recommendation so yeah if you go to youtube and search for tabletop titans and you know if you're interested in 40k tactics and battle reports um yeah go check them out um what else have we got another lovely bit of news that happened over the christmas and new year period obviously last episode we were talking about some of the guests we're going to have uh this year um there's quite a few lined up and need to get some of them organized um (laughs) (laughs) um, we've got another black library author on board for later this year very very exciting um (laughs) it's going to be a slight delay with him because basically he's got other commitments from you know obviously more important commitments like yeah. work yeah. <laughs> and, and writing <laughs> novels <laughs> so uh yeah so uh he'll be appearing hopefully later this year and we've got a uh also a youtuber that's uh quite big at the moment to uh to join us on a show later this year as well so we'll mm. we'll keep you updated as and when those things uh, start to happen okay and the last little thing i just wanted to say is we did hit another download milestone uh just after well i think it's actually just before the last episode went up so mm. you know what that means that means we're going to be talking about doing another competition soon so when cameron and i have you know dusted off our christmas and new year dust we will and think there is plenty yeah. um we'll think of a a competition for that so yeah. in you know the next sort of few weeks we'll you know you'll probably announce something hopefully next episode so yeah, yeah. keep out for that so uh yeah so that's the little bits i just wanted to say and mm-hmm. as always cameron let's get into the hobby stuff uh what have you been doing over the last few weeks mate yeah uh well i've honestly not done as much as i'd liked partly because it's busy time of the year because there's so many people who want to see you etc etc and also because it's been <laughs> Although it's not been as hot as it could be, it's still been hot enough where primer dries before it hits a model. Um, <laughs> so I've had to find those one or two cool days to do a little spraying and test out some paint schemes and stuff. So not a lot of painting's been happening. Okay. Uh, but we'll start. We'll start from the start with Christmas. My partner Aaron is the loveliest person in the world and got me Aww. a very, very, very old. I'm talking from like 1994 ish. Um, Chaos Knight hero. Uh, still in its blister pack. It's still made of lead, so I did wear gloves while putting nice. it together. Um, it's it's the guys meant to be carrying the big banner because, but because it's the old models, you know, you're meant to like print out or photocopy a banner and like glue it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll I'll have to model an appropriate banner on that. Uh, but it really got me thinking. I really like this old model. He's really cool. He deserves a proper army. <laughs> I guess I'm doing Hostess Lanesh. Hey everybody, it's me, your boy. <laughs> <laughs> We knew you'd all give in eventually, mate. <laughs> Look, I've, I've been trying so hard. Wrath and Rapture was coming. I'm like, no, I can't buy the full box of things. I can't. And it's just like, there, it gets me this. I'm like, okay, maybe I should buy something to go with this. 
Um, and so, you know, uh, Boxing Day, uh, because I'm never one to rest on my laurels, I like to start getting things done quickly and then never finish them, uh, trotted down <laughs> to the store. Everyone's having a great time. Um, also contributing to this is the fact that the store is running like a, a tale of many gamers thing, so like a tale of the four warlords things where you make 500 points in a system yep. over the course of like the next few months. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And so I went, you know what? I want to do a Slanesh army for Age of Sigma specifically, although like the demons should technically be interchangeable, but they're not for this one. Um, <laughs> because I was looking at the Slaves to Darkness uh, battle force, but I was also looking at the Daughters of Cain battle force, and I remembered something I said. A long time ago, deep in the midst of the past, I commented on a piece of artwork in the Daughters of Cain battle time. I said, you hey, did. Look, at, yes. look at these witch elves and these Melusai and these Kinnerai fighting demonettes. They look almost exactly the same. Yeah. And so I bought the Daughters of Cain battle force and a couple of boxes of demonettes and I've been <laughs> making them the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're not a slave. To, you are a slave to darkness. I'm, you're a, I'm you're very a, much a slave to darkness. You're a, <laughs> you're a slave to grey plastic. Yeah, that's what I am. <laughs> like us all. <laughs> um, if, if you follow our Twitter, you'll know I kind of freaked out a little. Because uh, they're perfectly proportioned for each other, which really creeps me out. Like, the heads with a little trimming on, like, the neck attachment joints but a bit different fit perfectly on the necks. The arms are the exact same, like, circumference, so you just clip off the attachment bit and they go on and they look like they're part of the same model. Um, a lot of times the legs inter-switch really well and easily. So what, I, what I've done is I've taken a witch elf box and I've taken a demonet box and I've basically gone, everyone gets one witch elf leg and one witch elf arm and one demonet leg and one demonet arm. Um, and so, you know, you take a demonet body, it only has one leg as part of the mold. You stick a witch elf leg on the other one and then you take the witch elf body that leg came from and stick the spare demonet leg on that witch elf body. <laughs> And it works really well. Like, proportion-wise, they fit really well together. Uh, a lot of them need a little green stuff to fill in gaps and sort of, like, cover up unsightly bumps and lumps and things like that. But, for the most part, they go together really well. I've done 13 demonettes as of yesterday, like, built them. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. Um, I'm getting there. Uh, <laughs> I've also, because the Daughters of Cain Battle Force comes with a whole bunch of stuff, uh, I've also started putting together a Blood Rack Shrine with a Medusa on it, which will... Mm -hmm also count as an exalted seeker chariot uh yeah. with with a herald of slanesh on top so you know i've changed up the medusa to make her look more slaneshi i've changed up the attendant to make them look more slaneshi stuff like that uh i've taken the hack queen and slaughter queen that usually come from that kit and put them on the on their little 25 mil bases and they're both heralds of slaneshi now with claws and demon heads bundle um i did paint up the slaughter queen and I worked out what my paint scheme is, which is it's a group of Slanesh demons pretending to be an order army. Ah. Uh, so all the Daughters of Cain's bits are painted basically just white with a black wash, then an Orthwan grey dry brush to make them look illusory, sort of like a shadow yep. puppet looking thing. And yep. then the actual demon bits are in bright purple and inky by darkness green to really make them pop. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy with the scheme. It's pretty easy to do. Uh, <laughs> Look at me using white spray for everything again. Um. <laughs> Excuse me, I, to be fair, so many people use black spray. Um, because I, mm. I know we're going off on a slight tangent here, but nah. like when I go to, you know, my local GWs or pretty mm. much any GW store, so, you know, when you look at them, the the miniatures in the the cabinets on display, and you're thinking, God, everything's so dark, you know. And I just, yeah, and I swear, yeah. a lot of it comes comes the fact that they use a lot of black 
Primer, mm. I'm guessing, oh, and obviously they do on like Warhammer TV and things like that. And not that there's anything wrong with that as well, but it no. really does. Whereas I think with a lot, when I, I see a lot of the miniatures you paint, because you are using white primer all the time, mm. I think it definitely shows. It makes things pop a bit more. But I suppose it depends yeah, what you're trying yeah. to, what look you're going for. I suppose doesn't it? Yeah. Well, like my point is, I always want the miniature to be the thing that pops, not the base. So I prefer to do a dark base with a bright miniature. <laughs> Rather yeah, than a dark no. miniature with a brighter base, because yeah, um, so I'm really happy with the scheme. Uh, I'm planning for them to be from Shimon, uh, Chamon, the the realm of metal. Uh, just to yep. be really annoying because I'm gonna, um, <laughs> I'm using the avatar of Cain to build a keeper of secrets, right? I'm gonna be really annoying with this. He's going to be a keeper of secrets with a warlord trait for Neg One to hit. He's going to have Hell Striders of Slanesh next to him for another Neg One to hit, and then he's going to be wearing the Argent Armor from Shimon for another Neg One to hit in melee. So in melee, he'll be at negative three to hit. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's basically if my Greater Demon makes it to your battle line, it will never die for the rest of the game. <laughs> if you're hitting on threes, you're hitting on sixes. <laughs> um, Ouch. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's just me being a bit trollish. Um. But yeah, no, it's really good. I'm really enjoying the conversions. Really like getting my creative juices flowing. Like if I need Warriors of Chaos, I can take Stormcast and put some Warriors of Chaos bits on them and then paint them in the same manner. There's Warriors of Chaos yeah. under a Stormcast illusion, etc., etc., etc. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. And the best bit, I plotted out a host of Slanesh army and a Daughters of Cain army. Daughters of Cain, what I'm planning to build comes to a thousand points exactly. Host right. of Slanesh with the Chaos Knight Hero Aaron got me, and the stuff I'm planning to build comes to a thousand points exactly as oh, well. <laughs> it's like destiny mm. there. Perfect. Fate. Wonderful. Uh <laughs> got involved there. Oh, the changer God, of ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that is that is the full extent of my hobby. I made a few models, uh by a few I mean actually quite a lot now I think about it. Made, yeah, made yeah. two army lists, read one book and read one magazine. <laughs> um, <laughs> not not bad, really? like five weeks <laughs> well, well exactly i mean like i said it's been the christmas period there's lots of stuff going on so you know mm, we're, you're allowed yeah. to to you know only do so much so not that i can talk because i've only done bits and bobs um well. right yeah well let's talk about what i've done um so what have i got so let's, i just remembered it actually just as you were talking mm. um the discord secret santa so oh, yeah i, I didn't want to forget that so yeah so you know we did for us guys in the UK, we did a, on our Discord server, we did a Secret Santa, and I did really well, I must admit. I, um, I, mine is obviously a very marine inspired choice, and I got yeah. three separate gifts as well within the one. Wow. Um, I got a very old school marine, and I can't, and it's annoying me because I can't mm. remember what it looks, to be honest, it looks like it's like a space crusade. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, I wow. could be wrong on that. I haven't is done enough research plastic? to look into it. It's plastic. It's that it, that white, like mm. ivory coloured. Yeah, plastic. yeah, yeah. So it, it I could think it's be like end of rogue trader slash something like that. Edition. It's a it's yeah. a it's a beaky one as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's around that era. Um, I then got a couple of now. Someone's obviously been listening to what I've been saying because a while ago <laughs> I said on our discord that i really want to get some of the bits or i was hunting similar to what you were doing with the the fiends mm. i was hunting for some bits so i could make a smash captain and yes. rather than you know <laughs> spending a lot of money on ebay to get the separate parts and mm. someone listened because they've effectively sent me two give or take parts two smash captains wow. to uh which is awesome so uh <laughs> yeah they're gonna they're gonna get you so- soon and then the last one and it was one of those like 
whoa, okay, is mm. um, they they sent you know Secret Santa sent me um, Tiberos the Red Wake, i.e. the oh, wow. the Kai Caradons. Um, yeah, I think he's a chapter master, master isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, <laughs> that's very <Wow>. generous. <laughs> <laughs> so with his uh, his awesome lightning claws. So yeah, I've mm. got that is what I got from Secret Santa. I was. You know, very, yeah. very pleased. I was yeah, very, <laughs> very surprised uh, in lots of ways. So, yeah, thank you, thank you, Santa. Wink. Um, <laughs> um, and like talk is of Christmas. What else did I get? I got as you know, mem- well, remember uh, again a few episodes ago, I said mm. about my Land Raider conundrum, where I was like, oh damn it, on my Christmas list, I've I've given the link for the Land Raider Crusader mm. Redeemer kit as opposed to the normal one. And yes, I did get that <laughs> particular <laughs> kit. So I've got a Land Raider Crusader slash Redeemer kit. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not a bad thing, really. No, um, no. Um, it can go with my Ultramarines. If I ever do any Grey Knights in the future or anything like that, mm. they're perfect for them. Yeah. So it's not the end of the world. So yeah, fantastic kit. Um, I got, and that was off my wife. She also got me a box of uh, normal Custodians as well to add to the ones mm. I already had. So I've got three boxes of them so i've got 15 custodians as well so that's you know i don't know 15 and a half thousand points there yes yeah, um like so i think that i think that's a custodian maths i think that's why it works out <laughs> um she also got me the head honcho of them she, she got me valoris mm-hmm. as well and Lovely. he is an awesome looking uh miniature i i need to check his kit but i I don't think he comes with a helmet. I could be wrong, but whatever oh, it, yeah. whatever happens, I'm going to put a helmet on him. I don't yeah. like I said. You I, should have I, spares from the guard kits. Exactly. So he's, he, I'm giving him a helmet. I don't want to see his face. Um, <laughs> that's so terrible. I don't want to see your face. Um, uh, right, reading wise, um, I have read uh, Faith and Fire, which is the Sisters of Battle novel from quite a few yeah. years ago. Um, really good. I mean, Sisters are brilliant anyway, and it is actually yeah, yeah. It, deceptively quite a good novel that one um i also listened to scutarius that was on the recommendation from red shadow on our discord mm-hmm. an admec novel uh yeah really good actually it was one of those uh, when i sort of got a half an hour and i thought mm, not sure about this one but no it gets very good actually so again if you like your admec novels uh scutarius mm-hmm. was actually very good um obviously i've read vigilus defiant helps because we're gonna cover it soon yeah um yep. and also i'm working my way through the wrath and glory core rule book um because mm. obviously you know we're planning on doing an episode of that in the future when you uh treat me to your yeah. um your uh <laughs> gm skills and machinations. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so i thought no i'm so yeah i'm, I'm just reading it bit by bit because it's quite a lot to mm. read and yeah um and it's a bit different to reading normal tabletop mm. rules so mm. yeah been getting through that um hobby wise i have actually managed to do some building of stuff um I built my three easy to build aggressors. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a bit of a rant now, actually, because this <laughs> reminded me. Now, I I ranted uh, when I built these aggressors, which was a couple of weeks ago now, and I'll be honest, they're not easy to build. And now you may <laughs> you may be listening, thinking, yes, they are, Matt. They are easy to build. But it says so on the box. <laughs> it says on the box. You know, it doesn't lie. And I, but I think I was really surprised. I awkward they were to build and now what Mm. i mean by that is you've got a lot of parts now to me when you look at these some of the other easy build kits a model will have like three parts maybe four these aggressors between the three of them have 35 parts so that's over this you know that's an average of almost 12 
um, that's, per that's model. pretty impressive. That's for, a for lot. Easy to for, build models. Exactly. I mean, you could argue <laughs> that's a good thing. You think, well, what's wrong with that? But, but that's without any. That doesn't give you any real customization. So it's not like it's a. Mm. If it was the main kit, you know, the main proper one that's actually with like either the bolt storm or flame storm gauntlets i could understand that i think yes i can understand why it's got so many parts but for an easy to build kit where you can't really mm. apart from maybe change the head on it that's about it i was thinking that's not you know that's not easy to build it's quite fit it's quite a fiddly build as well you know with some of the the wires going into the back of the backpack um i had to i had a, a nightmare with some of the um the pegs you know which we've said before yeah you know, yeah. where they're too long and you can't put it. Yeah, I wasn't happy with it, I'll be honest. And I don't want to sound mm. negative because I don't try to sound negative when I can. But yeah, it was a, it, it was an, an irritating build, I think, for, yeah. for especially it being an easy to build. I mean, I got there in the end, but it was a bit like, mm, that wasn't fun. That was just an annoying build more than anything. So, mm. but hey, yeah, that's the way it goes. Um, I also built my Space Marine Hero from the Space Marine Hero set. Um, I got, I think, Brother Castor, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, not the greatest of them, <laughs> to be honest. No. It's, but he, he will become a, a test model. So, I mean, again, he was easy to build. That was He was mm. fine. So, yeah. <laughs> so he was how to me they should be. So, yeah, he was he's all done, ready to, to get primed. So talking of building models and inspiration, let's talk about... 2019 in the sense of um Mm -hmm. what people are pledging to do this year so we on our discord and on twitter we asked the question which i know a lot of people are doing this at the moment on other you know social media and things like that but yeah Yeah. like what you know what are are your 2019 warhammer plans basically so we'll uh we'll just quickly zip through some of the responses that we've been given um right so let us store let's start with uh our discord okay Mm mm-hmm um so i will do you want me to start cameron um yeah go for it yeah okay so it's uh that's who's first right so you got uh sigmund frude uh let it be stated that on this day in the year of our lord the 26th of december 2018 that i sigmund frude do hereby pledge to play a single game of kill team in 2019 (laughs) just the one and he cheated because he he played in 2018 so he actually's actually already fulfilled that but he's done it He's done it a year too early, but fair play to him, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Adrian says, uh, build and paint at least 1750 points of Admech and play 40k for the first time. Both reasonable yes. goals. I know you Absolutely. already have a fair bit of Admech, so build that up and get going. Yeah, I sold him some <laughs> myself. Yeah. <laughs> right, next. Uh, Red Shadow. My hobby plans for 2019 are this. Imperial Knight 2K Army. Corn AOS 2K Army. Tyranid Kill Team. Thousand Suns Kill Team. So that's quite, you know. Cool. That's quite yeah, a... Yeah. I suppose I was looking at the you know Knight 2K Army. I was like, well, okay, mm. but, you know, that's only a couple of models. So. Yeah, it's like three <laughs> or four models. Yeah, exactly. So, no, good goals. Um, yeah, yeah. Igno- um, igno- this guy mine. named uh, no, no, no. <laughs> this guy named Ninja Badger Seven. Don't know how he got on the Discord. Nah, really, what a loser. Um, yeah, it says two K Ultramarines, two K Custodies, two K Stormcaster Tells. You're like, you're pulling on a lot, whoever you are. Um, <laughs> play some forty K, play some AOS, and play some Kill Team. Uh, ambitious. I applaud you, random member of our Discord. Yeah, it's definitely not me. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> right, next, uh, Dr. Robotnik83. So 2019 for me will be finish the last few bits of my Admech army and perhaps expand, get Ravenguard to 2K, get a knight or two, perhaps start AOS, expand on kill teams when bored of the above, uh, play more often. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, again, another ambitious, you know, mm. pledges yeah, there. Good. So, but yeah, you can see there's a theme here with people. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tresillian says, I'm pledging to paint one kill team a month, or the equivalent, which, I mean, yeah, that's that's not bad. That's, no, you know, doable. Three, three to 20 models a month of varying factions, as long as yeah. you stay interested, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Also gives you a bit of variety as well. Mm, yeah. um, <laughs> next is Halden 44 Stroika. Before I say this, I was one, when I was listening to the book Scatarius, which I was talking, mm. I spoke about a minute ago, the Admet book, and I was, and the main character is called that, and I was like, why, why is that name <laughs> ringing a bell? And I realised it was his name on our Discord. Um, so <laughs> my plans are build my Admech army to two K. Are we are we are we missing something here? Why is everyone? We're, our whole Discord is building two K. Is two K of Admech? Hey, uh, hey, I'm building to one thousand points separately with the same with the same models. Twice, <laughs> well, so that's does that true, count? That's true. <laughs> I feel like we're missing out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So build my two my Admech army to two K and have it all fully painted. Uh, start a sister's army when available. Yes, obviously. Yep. Um, play more forty K. So, yeah, you know, yep, very achievable good. goals there. Good on him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, smells Like Zero Spirit has a very different goal. Uh, I pledge not to buy anything new up to March and paint one whole gang for Necromunda. <laughs> I, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, good I luck I really do, please. <laughs> I'm trying to limit myself as well. In the same way, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Um, <laughs> with, our, with, our disc- with our Discord thing, if there's any reference to March, it's because the conversation changed from what we're going to do mm. this year to what to like breaking it down to what we would do in the first quarter. Yeah, so that was my see... fault because I presented mine as do this in Q1 2019. <laughs> yeah, you, you, pre- you presented it like a business plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So if you see any mention of March, that's what it's referring to. Uh, mm. So next. Also, uh, Necro- March 5th is when Abaddon comes out. You heard it here first. Um, <clears throat> sorry, what? 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 Who? Is, what? That, is that those vicious rumours again? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right, who's next? Uh, Necro Scourge. Uh, my hobby plan is to get the majority of the orcs I ordered finished by March. So that's 20 boys, 6 knobs, war boss, scrots. For the moment, I'm doing prep work until everything I ordered appears. Yep. Yeah, pretty good. And again, very, very achievable uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, AMD4173. Uh, my hobby plan is finish 2K Magakin again. Um, <laughs> more 2K. Uh, get a game table and game mate. Nice. Host a campaign with friends. Extra nice. Paint my slaves to darkness. Brackets the Golden Saints. Up to 1.5K. Nice. So very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested nice. in seeing that army now. That sounds cool. I yeah. like the Golden Saints. Also, it's good to have a more AOS focused uh mm. goals there because i suppose we are well judging by you know what's been said previously we're, <laughs> we're quite heavy on the 40k side there so yeah no, that's nice yeah. to have a bit of aos uh mm. right next uh mephistrix uh just bought the start collecting eldar more harleys and star weavers can't promise that, that when they'll be done but i'm stoked yeah well that's yeah. fair enough again yeah. especially with harlequins <laughs> involved in there <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um i just realized we're missing uh that swarby guy in there as oh well. yeah, uh, I think I got his memorized. Uh, for Q1 2019, I want to finish <laughs> uh, converting and painting 1,000 points of corrupted daughters of Cain and finish converting 20 melee plague marines. So hopefully, I'll get that done by the end of March. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure you will, mate. 
until something Yeah, I feel that's a reasonable you. goal, and hopefully nothing will distract me. How dare you suggest <laughs> that could happen? Because <laughs> I, I know you, and I know me. <laughs> I know we're, we're all yeah, bad for it, no, so easily yeah, done. Yeah, no, it's not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, let's switch to Twitter just to wrap this up. Uh, mm-hmm. so again, same question. What's your 2019 uh, hobby goals right let's start with the first one that's uh sprues and brews uh, another mm-hmm. podcast uh paint more stuff seriously i painted more last year than ever before but i want to beat that this year focus painting on projects and get some full armies completed dave uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again that sort of echoes what i've been trying to my sort of goals really i'm you know it's it's a pretty pants when you've got models here there and everywhere mm. and you're like i want to get into playing i want to get a finished army and you just get distracted yeah, yeah. so no i can totally get that yeah, um, Schooner Labs at Schooner Labs says, finish building what I have before buying more, brackets seems unlikely, close brackets, uh, designing more laser cut terrain, playing more 40k or kill team, and getting a better handle on the rules. Nice. Yeah, very, very yeah. achievable. A- again, best of luck in the, in the holding off <laughs> department. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're all, uh, optimistic aren't we <laughs> yeah we really are uh next is heretic wargaming at h wargaming uh paint both my dark angel and tyranid armies paint my kill teams and add maybe a gray knight kill team yeah again that's yeah, cool, i mean to be cool. fair i've seen i remember seeing a lot of his dark angel stuff he's he's got some good stuff out there so now I, mm. hopefully uh that may long continue yeah uh lee at demon underscore hammer says just get some stuff painted and have fun i spent too much time last year trying to make everything perfect before i actually got on with any hobbying that's a good <laughs> attitude that's a really good attitude yeah definitely why we, we say all these lofty goals but be relaxed don't stress out about yeah, it. yeah i think we, we we're, we're terrible for pressurizing pressurizing <laughs> ourselves and i think also when you're part of a community like warhammer and you know whether it's you're on discord twitter or just your local club it's so mm. easy to get bought into that isn't it where you think oh yeah oh i need to do this i need to do and i do I, i've said it before on the show where i feel pressurized to get stuff done no one is pressurizing me i'm I'm only doing mm. it to myself but then i feel yeah. rubbish for like what have you done oh i've done nothing <laughs> you, know, so, <laughs> you know but it's the way it goes that's that's the way yeah. life is yeah uh next is dual knight jess at dual knight jess uh i want to get my gene steel occult's army to a decent size not sure yet maybe 1500 points and actually play some 40k it's yeah. it's amazing actually for you know for people that are very into this hobby you know uh, in mm. a lot of us included where yeah. we don't actually play regularly it's, it's you know you no. think it's a given but it's not <laughs> you you can't take it for granted how it's mm. not always straightforward to play either play at all or play regularly it's yeah yeah yeah. Not always easy. Well, like it, it's a complicated thing because you gotta you gotta find someone first. You've got to have a roughly equivalent points. You've got to agree to do be in the same room with each other for three to four hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of work that goes into playing a game of 40k or AOS. True. So, Very true indeed. Yeah. Uh, Devon C at Three Day Pass says, "Just rejoined in spring 2018, so my goals are keep stripping and painting my old 40k models from when I played before in second edition." Finish my Death Watch to 2,000 points. Start on my still-boxed next army. Maybe a kill team or three. Oh, and paint terrain. <laughs> <laughs> All that those capitals made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More enforceable. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, next is uh, Uncle Harrowmaster at... Uh, Nastus Noctum, uh, catching up with my amount of unpainted minis. Yes, yeah, goal, <laughs> that's a goal. common one, I think, for most of the, most people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Cthulhu, servant of the death guru, uh, <laughs> <at> death, <laughs> death no. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> 
God, that's a great title, by the way. Brilliant. Good job. <laughs> um, <laughs> having, having sorted my desk, finished some models before January's out, set a goal each month with intent to finish models and some photos of a now very orderly but still completely covered painting and assembling table. Yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> can empathise with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, i got to uh, clean mine up this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to sort mine out big time. But hey, it'll get done uh, in yeah. uh, June. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Uh, Octagon at Octagon. Uh, prioritize practicing and learning new techniques above painting things quickly and perfectly. Sometimes I need to enjoy the journey more and worry about the destination less. Yes, that is yeah. a very, very yeah. good point. And I think that's, well, I know we were talking about it a second ago when with pressurizing mm. yourself. I think that's our problem is that mm. you, you get so focused on actually getting to, you know, I, I need to paint 1500 points of you know xyz and that's mm. the next that's the next army by the way xyz and yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just shapes uh, <laughs> and shapes <laughs> and letters and yeah it, it's and you forget like just enjoy it like i said unless you're unless you're you know pressurizing yourself into i need to get this done because i'm entering this big competition that's fair enough that's a mm. totally different thing but otherwise i said just enjoy it you know don't mm. don't give into yeah. it yeah you know i know it's easy said and done but yeah don't give into it <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Fabrizio D at Undiris says, These. Keep enjoying the hobby. Looking to play my very first Games Workshop related game. Nice. Painting miniatures above tabletop standard. And most importantly, and the most ambitious of all, win this year's Armies on Parade at the local Games Workshop. Uh, malevolent <laughs> but determined cute face. <laughs> yeah. Nice one, Fab. You go for it, mm. mate. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, next is uh, Micah at Rugby Skin. Uh, complete projects and not getting any new armies other than sisters. Again, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck. Um, yep. <laughs> again, I, to be fair, I can understand the sisters being like a, a you know, a, a a free oh, voucher yeah. isn't it because like oh, let's yeah. be honest we're all going to get I, at least one <laughs> yeah exactly it's, you know even if you don't collect them i imagine a lot of people are eyeing up those sisters regardless mm. of what's going on it and to be fair you know you ha- may have all these 2019 plans i'm not going to deviate i'm not going to do that but i think anyone will accept if you say and sisters, sisters as well yeah, yeah that's yeah. just <laughs> a given <laughs> yeah uh alan at alan in nj says Help my son build his first army and play his first full game. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. Good. Yeah. Keep it keep it simple. Um, mm-hmm. Who's next? Uh, Mescoro at Mescoro. Um, oh, uh, right. Oh, sorry. He's put it in t- <laughs> two she different replies. tweets here. Right. Sorry. I'll start <laughs> the one below. Uh, paint my extra marines and sort out third edition, old third edition army. Paint lots of lizard men like I have tons. Uh, write <laughs> fanfic for my Space Marine homegrown chapter. Ooh. If you ever do that, please send it in to us because I'd be interested mm. to see that. And if you want to re- us to re- read it out, you know, we will. Again, only if you want to. <laughs> um, right, sort out my Warlords of uh, Aeroon at Warlords Game Army. Uh, is that different? That's a different yeah, game, isn't it? Yeah. Company. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that. Yeah, there's, and, and then other related. <laughs> Try not to buy any tanks. <laughs> and yeah, for yeah, some fair. of these other, for the other some games, which is cool. Um, um, and oh, and get some games and everything. Yep, yeah, again, another yeah. very common theme get playing yep, yep. <laughs> ah, good luck with that uh yeah yeah good luck uh chaos form at chaos form one says assemble and paint my fresh harlequin slash craft world army nice yeah nice good uh, times is there one more hiding down the bottom yeah there's one uh, more hiding down the bottom <laughs> it is uh that's darker design at darker design designs 66 uh keeps it real 
get stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good idea. Best of luck again. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so there's mm-hmm. some some common themes with our you know all our 2019 goals. We're yeah, gonna yeah. we're gonna paint everything really quickly to Golden Demon <laughs> standard. We're gonna play every GW <laughs> game and not start any new armies uh, apart yeah, from all absolutely. of them. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, totally, totally. Yeah, exactly. That's how that that's how that works. Exactly. No, no. Good luck to everyone that's uh, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and obviously everyone listening as well. If you've got whatever your goals are, I hope you achieve yeah, them. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, talking of achieving, we're going to achieve our first break now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when we return, we're going to get stuck into the first proper news segment of 2019. Back shortly. Welcome back, everyone. It's news time. You know, one of the most exciting times of the show, depending oh, on what your preference is. is. Oh, Yes. And we've been hit with a load of lovely news. And like we mm. said earlier in the show, it's great that they decided to do it, you know, the day before we recorded. Because like I said, we yeah, usually record yeah. on a Saturday, but we're recording on a Sunday at the moment because I was a bit busy yesterday. So that's worked out great. Cause lucky we can, us. We can talk about lucky <laughs> us, Games Workshop new. Um, so, yeah, so basically this new segment uh, is going to be focused on the Warhammer World New Year Open Day that was yesterday as of this time of recording. Mm. And, yeah, you know, they've hit us some, with us some lovely stuff. I mean, there's no, um, you know, we haven't been given a, a, a Primark, a Fulgrim or a, no. anything like that. But, you know, but it's a consistently good amount mm. of, re- of reveals, I would say. Yeah. Um. So far, so right. Let's start. Let's start with the you know probably the biggest one, which is uh, the reveal of the Gene Stealer cults. Obviously, we knew oh, yeah. that this is going to be you know the last main codex of Eighth Edition because mm. it's the only one that's really missing predominantly. And obviously, they've hinted at it before. And we've been given some lovely uh, little teaser trailer. I think it was a mm. couple of days ago. I think wasn't yeah. it? it was, yeah. Um. On the on on the website and on YouTube, and then they've obviously now released a sort of full proper animated mm. trailer which is really cool it's about a few minutes long and yeah they're what are you what are you thinking of them i think they look pretty great i think we with them um, the models have been shown because we've been basically shown a truckload of new characters uh, mm-hmm. as, in, as in hero models not special characters specifically as far as we can tell i yeah. feel they're going to be a little death guardy in like army composition where you're going to have your basic troops some specialist units and then a bunch of supporting characters to like really buff them up to super deadly levels yeah i can see yeah. that because i mean because I, I, sort of, I must admit with death guard i they that does confuse me sometimes mm. the you know the amount of like hq <laughs> you know char- you know like not named characters yeah but, you know yeah. those type characters uh yeah they get it can get a bit confusing sometimes mm. um, <laughs> um you know so hopefully not in a bad way but i just hope hopefully it'll be straight for, i mean luckily the the good thing is with these well these four you know predominant ones that we've seen mm. they're quite unique you know generally oh, yeah. um yeah. uh whereas i think i find put on a personal level again the, yourself and others may disagree but with the death guard ones sometimes they they overlap mm. for me i'm like which one's that what does the tiny man do again? Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas these look these are quite all very iconic looking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we've got we haven't. I don't think we've been typically given any names of these no. of these units. Um, no. So we've got the the assassin looking one, which looks very yeah. cool with a little with his little, little helper miniature. buddy wearing yeah, a little, little visor thing. <laughs> yeah, little little gene stealer on the back. Very yeah. very cool. I love I love the 
I, mean, I love his face. The oh, face yeah. on the he looks well great. on both on both of them, but the assassin himself. Mm, um, mm. It's very very old school in in its way with the cloak and the hood. But yeah, um, yeah. I think I believe that the 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 blade was one of the rumor engine. Mm, pictures from yeah. a while ago this is, um, this has solved so many rumor engines this, this <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous actually <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah a very i must know a very cool looking miniature um mm-hmm. the next one is the um there's like the magus or magos yeah, sort the of um, magos which yeah. she looks amazing looks amazing absolutely amazing. Like, this is probably the best one i think oh yeah by far. yeah like someone was talking about it but like it's a really it's actually quite a simple model like it's not bogged down in a ton of like minute details it's really mm-hmm. simple really clean and it's yep. really 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 stylish <laughs> like <Yeah>. it's awesome <laughs> again i think the the face i think is fantastic well a good amount mm. of detail on it and like i said she's she's not overly complicated but then there's still a good amount of detail as well mm. and mm. she's the um sort of the main character that's given in the new trailer as well isn't she yeah in memory yeah um and then the next one I, I don't know what what sort of character is this supposed to be, would you say? The he guy with looks, the, uh, the like if if the assassin is a guy who jumps out of a back alley and tries to stab you, this is the guy who blends into your Imperial cult for three months and then stabs <laughs> yeah. you. This this is like the infu- <laughs> yeah. I think this is the infiltrator specialist. Like yeah, he looks I'll he see. looks like a priest, he's covered in purity seals, he's got a big yep. walking stick. He looks like an old man, but then he's also got two swords and a cult icon strapped to his I back. love the twin swords. That, I mean, obviously, you, I, I know we haven't seen the back of the miniature, we've only mm. seen the front, but I love it. It's that very, um, yeah, uh, no, you know, uh, Leonardo out of uh, Ninja yeah. Turtles look, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's got, the, he's got the best detail, which is at the bottom of his cloak, he's got a little venomous mm. stinger poking out. Yep. So, he, he, again, a fantastic looking miniature. They are mm-hmm. really pushing the boat out, I think, with these. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the last one that they've shown us of these uh, characters is mm. the... Vox um, hacker kind of guy. Yeah. As, as they, they described him as like, a, what is it, a Vox hacking technician who uses cunning to help you claim victory yeah. for the cult. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, I mean, he looks I, cool. <laughs> he does. He's different. I mean, I'd mm. say he's probably the weakest of them, you know, from a, a design point of view. But yeah. that's not a, again, not a criticism because they're all they're all lovely. Um, yeah, yeah. He's he's a yeah again a different. I mean, but again, look at the look at the the diversity between those four. Miniatures. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and yet they all they look, look clearly like from the same faction. Like they they work well together, but they're all very different to look at. Exactly. Which is what I like. Yeah. Well, exactly, and which is the way Gene Steeler cult should be because obviously that's what. They are, you know, they they are a very diverse, you know, coming from different like gene sex and things like that. So um, yeah, yeah, excellent. And then obviously they showed off the what's known as the the Atalan jackals, um, mm-hmm. led by the jackal Alphas, which is basically those uh, the bikers that we saw. Yeah, I can't remember which event they showed it. I think it was, was it, it, it was glory? A, it was oh, blood glory. I think yeah, 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 which looks uh, very cool indeed. Um, oh yeah, so yeah, fantastic. And then. And then you've got the their own scenery piece, which is the tectonic frag drill, which, which looks. This is so big as well. Like I know, I saw, I know, I saw the pictures on Twitter. It looks mm. massive. It yeah. looks very cool. And I, um, I, I like this because I think it's going to be a much more active terrain piece. Like you have the things like the the knights have their repair station, the orcs have their repair station, things like that. But like this is, it's just a big mining drill, and like their only clue is it allows you to quite literally undermine your enemy's best laid plans. I'm like, do you activate <laughs> this once a game and just 
all the units around it get pushed away or something like that. Yeah. Or you like lose all your command points or mm. uh, for a yeah. turn or something like that. It would just, yeah, be nice and disruptive. But yeah, but um, yeah, the, Gene Steeler some... cults are looking awesome. Yeah. Uh, there are some that still haven't been revealed, believe it or not. There's still more to come. Yeah. Um, and actually in, in the longer trailer right at the end, you do see like, it's like a doctor looking mini with a staff. It, it's like a, a grab around the neck catching pole that pest mm-hmm. control uses, yep. but it's got all injectors on it. Um, yeah. And he's also a rumor engine. <laughs> piece as well um. yeah i thought so yeah it's, <laughs> yeah i mean no i mean again they're well they're one of those factions that sort of go a bit under the radar <laughs> mm. oh. <laughs> literally and uh, figuratively <laughs> um but yeah it's i know i think that's, i mean again they're not a faction i'd ever probably collect but there's some lovely looking miniatures coming out oh, from yeah. them. so if you're into Absolutely. your gene stealer cults or you're you've always been on the fence about them i think yeah no, dive in when they come out yeah i imagine yeah. probably next month i would say they're probably it, it'll be I, I would love March. to say it's in the next couple of months, but all they've said is soon, and the last time they said mm. soon, it was the Orcs Codex, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which they true. announced at yeah. the same time as the Space Wolves one, so the Orcs oh, yeah. waited like six suppose... months for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I suppose it depends what comes of, um, you know, Abaddon and <coughs> things like that in March. Yeah, we'll see. So, hopefully, we'll see. hopefully they get released just before the 80 days of Vigilus are up or whatever, because they, <laughs> yeah. they are an important part in Vigilus. Like, the, the cults are a big thing. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which we'll get onto a bit later in this episode. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's switch it up. Let's move to Kill Team. So they've announced the next expansion, which is called Arena Competitive Skirmish Gaming. Um, so mm-hmm. this is obviously now putting a competitive edge to Kill Team. So yeah. in essence, yeah. from what you can see when you look at the the trailer, is basically they're bringing, like it says, bringing competitive gaming to uh to kill team so you can organize your own tournaments uh, it's mm. all about a lot of it's about close combat yeah uh, arenas yeah. and things like that um like yeah, very think... close space hulk style like the the board and it appears to be like just tight two inch corridors yeah, exactly effectively. exactly i think i think again yeah, it's very cool and i like i like the fact that again i know we've said it before that that they are supporting kill team you know mm. so far yeah. we've seen rogue trader we've seen commanders now we've seen arena so they're you know they're definitely going for it they're, they're not well well the fact that <laughs> isn't there that that they can't keep up with demand of the uh, yeah. starter box because <laughs> it's sort of a, a, a unofficially gone isn't it really yeah. i mean i know they've not literally said that there's a couple hanging around here and there but they're not really getting any back yet because people keep no. buying them all the time <laughs> well it's a damn good deal i mean i'm, I'm glad mm. i got mine now uh so yeah so we've like i said we've got arena uh it looks very cool they've also shown off two new uh kill yes. teams you know the pre-done ones you got um stan's disciples uh that's the the one with the gunslinger yep gunslinger um, gene stealer cults yeah awesome uh officially called a kalamorph which yes cool um <laughs> very cool very cool indeed and yeah. then you've got the other one which is the uh the admech one which is called uh theta 7 aquaticus 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 yes yeah something like that um so yeah which is obviously cool because it comes with you know obviously their own commanders and mm. obviously the the accompanying kill team um yeah and so that, he's uh, that tech priest is so cool <laughs> he's very odd um he's you know a, what a really um, odd yeah, you know what it is? It looks like they scanned a piece of John Blanche artwork and it just turned into a model. Model, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, so, there's just so much going on with it. It's un- mm. it's unreal. It's so dark. It's so grim dark. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Miniature. Oh, yeah. It's it beautiful. really is. 
<laughs> but yeah exactly it's very very quirky um and also mm. lastly with kill team they've also announced another actual kill zone which is called uh sector frontiris yeah um western which western, <laughs> western and i think it was i think it was on one of the videos i saw where i think this is the one the first time they've done a train set where the, there's actually a, a, a building with a roof yeah, where it's not been destroyed yeah. an enclosed room <laughs> an actual enclosed <laughs> yeah, building with something not blown out of it so um, mm, that looks again mm. very cool and again you could use that for uh lots of things so yeah definitely happy days for kill team um right let's move on to the next one let's move on to the gloom spite obviously this was something that uh, has had people very excited um Mm. i mean this was obviously announced prior to the open day and it's just you know it was it got people uh, i said very Mm. excited so yeah the gloom spite gits are going to be the new grot army coming to aos where obviously they're amalgamating basically the you know all the the grot armies like the moon clans well two two of the grot armies they're leaving a couple behind are they actually are they actually leaving yeah um git mob which is the like the basic grots and the riders and stuff is being left behind yeah yeah, I mean they're I think, really, really old. They might get an update eventually. I was just about to say that's a bit like green skins when it comes yeah. to the orcs, isn't it? Like the basic yeah. orcs that aren't like iron jaws or yeah, uh, bone splitters. Like, yeah, they're a little too generic for their own good. Kind yeah, of thing. sorry, that that is probably why I forgot it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they look really cool. We got some oh, yeah. awesome looking miniatures coming out for them, and they're Those up, trolls. Up for, those trolls oh, the, are incredible. They look amazing, don't they? You know, we've mm. got we, we're seeing for, for now. We'll talk about more of these as they probably next episode because obviously they'll yeah. be out by then. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you got fanatics, which are the new fanatics, which look amazing. You got the, the loon smasher mm. and the uh, the spore splatter. Mm. Um, some lovely looking endless spells. I think oh, they yeah. look real. They look yeah. fan- absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Have yeah, you heard what their allegiance ability is? Because uh, it's really interesting. I, uh, I maybe, but no, go go for yeah, it. Yeah. So, so at the start of the game, you pick a corner of the board, and that's where the bad moon starts. Like it's okay. the actual moon in the sky, and then at the start of each battle round, the moon moves in around. It either moves towards the center or towards a different corner, and it moves mm-hmm. a random number of inches. And if it's in in one quarter of the table, all of your units get different buffs depending what kind of units they are, like trolls heal double the amount that they roll on their regeneration. Oh, wow. Goblin, uh, squigs get to run and charge. Goblins get, like, re-roll ones to hit and stuff like that. Um, and if it's in the dead center of the board, it affects the entire board. That <laughs> is, is very cool indeed. Ridiculous, yeah. Um, and it yeah. can actually go off the board and you lose it if you're really unlucky. <laughs> like, <laughs> the bad moon can decide, I actually don't like these gods that much right now, I'll just leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, amazing! I, I must admit, mm. they they they're definitely going to challenge that 2019 yeah. uh, <laughs> resolution for a lot of people. Where like, no, so, I've sorted my yeah. arms out. I I spent like 40 minutes in the store deciding whether I should pick up three boxes of grots or pick up the Hostess Lynette <laughs> stuff. <laughs> they're just they're just so cool. I mean, I I love their their new main character, the Loon King. It's Scragrot. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. He looks very cool indeed. Um, I liked yeah. him in the trailer as well. So if you've not seen it, go check out the the trailer on on uh, YouTube as well. He's just such mm. a cool character. Um, you got the the Bad Moon Loon Shrine, which is their new mm-hmm. sort of train piece. Yep. 
which I think just looks great regardless. Even if you didn't collect them, oh, yeah. it'd be worth having just as a yeah. as a centerpiece. And I, I think I said it's like the best pub name as well. Yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to go for a drink at the Bad Moon Loon Shrine. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, lots of squigs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lots and lots of squigs. Uh, they all look awesome. Um, I they think really my favorite do. is the the squig riders that are like the Bretonian knight styled ones, where they gave the yeah, squigs armor they and brilliant. have little wood lances. Yeah, oh, so they look. <laughs> I, I think again, I think this army is perfect for anyone without sounding derogatory um, who doesn't want to take things too seriously with oh, their yeah. army. You know, they just yeah. want to have a fun army. That you know, I'm not saying it wouldn't be competitive, but where, like I said, it's not about it's not like this. You know, the seriousness of the mm. Stormcast. It's just a no. fun army like i said with cool rules and obviously we're going to see more um and i think hopefully because i think we've both spoken about that regardless mm. of not coll- whether we collect them or not is we'll probably get the battle tome and yeah, um yeah. and talk about them in general because i think oh, that'll yeah, be such definitely. a a cool race <laughs> and faction to to cover really so uh so yeah mm. they uh, i think they went up for pre as again of this recording they went up for pre-order yesterday yeah um yeah. yesterday the being the fifth wave. so so yep. all all the grots and squigs are up for pre-order along with the battle yep. tome, and then next exactly. will be all the trolls. Exactly. So yeah, look forward to that. Um, oh, yeah. Right, what's next? Right, let's carry on oh, on the AOS train. Let's talk yes, about yes, yes, Carrion yes, yes. Empire. So <laughs> again, what's really cool, which was obviously what we've seen on both AOS and, but obviously more predominantly 40k, we're seeing a lot of these box sets where you're getting obviously two factions at war mm. with each other, and obviously. The good thing is for that is you get obviously a narrative, but also it's a good way to start either one or two armies or, you know, go mm-hmm. halves with each other. And let's say Carrion Empire is going to be the next one from AOS, which is basically Skaven versus the Flesh Eater Courts. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love, what did you think of the trailer of this? The, uh, the, uh, it was, the, it was the rats fun, in the pantry. <laughs> it was such a fun trailer. Like Skaven, Skaven are the best. They're the most fun yes. faction. Um, yeah. God and like so this this is it's a lot like Wrath and Rapture where it's a it's sort of a starter box but it only has a couple of new models. Uh, mm-hmm. This this has exactly two new models, one for each side. The yep. second I saw that Warlock Bombardier, I was like instantly transported back to like late Warhammer Fantasy when I picked up the yeah, Skaven definitely. book. And yep. one of the upgrades for Warlocks was you get a Doom Rocket, and once per game you roll forty six. And it goes that far, and then it just kills everything within like six inches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, it, it, look, it looks so fantastic! Yeah. Yeah, so and what I like about the set is, from what you can see in the photo, I like the selection mm. of units as well. Oh, yeah. Especially on the Skaven side as well, because it's quite funny. Because obviously, you naturally think Skaven there's going to be loads of models because they're all rats. Mm. Whereas actually, you, you, on this one, you've you got like from a model count, you've got, you've got six. one, two, th- six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. but it's all it's a big six though. <laughs> so, yeah, because it's um, a, it's a scryer box for Skaven technically. Exactly, like, which. Mm. It's very very cool. I mean, it's, it's it's some of the coolest Skaven units as well. So so mm. again, you're getting a good amount of value in that as well. You know, I mean, obviously we don't know how much it's going to cost. I imagine it's going to be the About same the as same. yeah yeah. So over here, it'd be probably <laughs> ninety five pounds. I would imagine. Yeah. You know, give yeah, or take two twenty to two sixty ish range because it's that, yeah. that weird variance here. Again, I still don't yeah. know what that is, but whatever. That's <laughs> mind boggling. That that's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. But, exactly. But yeah. yeah. You know, oh, it's man. it's a very good set, and again, it's mm. if you're not interested in both, you know, it's a very good way to uh, to, to get, get stuck one. in. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got the what's it? The abhorrent arch arch regent is the yeah. uh, the flesh eater court 
uh, character, which love the pose on him. Brilliant pose where he's sort of mm-hmm. got his foot well, both feet on a, oh, yeah. on the part of a, a ruined uh, side of a building. And mm. yeah, again, just love, Super just again, simple, simple, sim- yeah, dynamic, but simple as a, as yeah. a miniature. Really, really yeah. good. Um, yeah, I think that's really exciting to be fair. And I think, again, there's a lot of people that like, like, well, obviously like both uh, factions, but I imagine with the Skaven mm. particularly. So I can imagine, you know, sort of similar to Forgebane, where I think a lot of people bought Forgebane, and no offence to the Necrons, but I think a lot of people <laughs> bought it for the Admech, for the and Admech obviously yeah. at that time the the uh, the, the Armagers, but I think this will be the same. I'm not again. I'm not mm. saying that people won't buy it for the flesh eater quartz, but I imagine yeah. a lot of people will be buying this for the Skaven side of the box. Yeah. Well, That's I, just my I can, prediction. I can see a lot of people buying this for like all the extra summonable units for flesh eater yeah. courts. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just. It's just. I need just another fifty ghouls. Opinion. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So no, it's a. Uh, mm. It's very cool indeed. Right. Indeed, um, indeed. And then for the. Some of the other specialist games, you, I mean, I know we don't really cover those, but obviously for Middle Earth, which is obviously the Lord of the Rings side of things, there's a new expansion book, Gondor at War. Yep. Happy days if you're into mm-hmm. that. Um, for Adeptus Titanicus, you've got the Titan Death expansion as well, mm-hmm. which I think shows off the, also the new Reaver Titan, which looks very yep. cool. So if you're into Titanicus, you've got a new book coming. Um, there's some new Blood Bowl stuff as well. Um, for Nurgle and for the Greenskins. Um, so that, at that point, we thought, okay, that's it. That's it. You know, that's a good good bit of stuff. And then GWB and GW decide to, you know, especially for Cameron, who obviously woke up to this because of his time yeah. zone, and, and the rest of you know, and the rest of us on the internet at that time were like, what? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to throw in some more reveals as well. So yeah. we have got a new Blackstone uh fortress expansion that's been revealed yes. which is the dreaded amble yes um, which obviously shows so off good. the amble in question yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking of it <laughs> it is it is gorgeous it is i think at least three different rumor engines um <laughs> yes i recognize um, the the little um the little bugs on its right yeah. arm that was definitely and, one of and them. there's also one with the the center of the upper carapace in between the two antenna was one and there's probably yes, a couple of good others point. Good point. Um, no, it is. It is big. It is scary. It really, it really looks like the super old model, but you know, From obviously Trader, updated. Yeah. yeah, but obviously, like super updated and looks great. Um, this expansion looks good. Like, I like yeah. that it's a very tightly focused expansion. It looks like it basically adds some new discovery cards, a couple of new encounters, and like a quest line to go find the amble inside the fortress. Um, yeah, right. the, the the way it's focused in on like one big monster, I really like because it reminds me of Kingdom Death expansions. Actually, yeah, like, I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, here's this big, cool, really neat monster mini. Here's this really cool quest slash like encounter possibility involving it, and it just slots into the main game from the looks of it. So mm. yeah, awesome. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and again, similar to when we were talking about Kill Team, it's great that they're already throwing an expansion out for it already. Mm-hmm. So they're not just sort of going, here you go, here's Blackstone, then yeah. neglect it for a while. Yeah, so no, again, it just shows that. And, and to be <laughs> fair, they promised that as well. They said they were, they were oh, throwing yeah. out expansions for it. So now they're they're doing mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah. Um, following but, on from the Amble, amb- yeah, we've got the Ambot. Even, even better. Yeah. These models are so. Look at them. Oh my god. They look awesome, don't they? <laughs> this is obviously for Necromunda, which is the 
obviously connected yeah. to the amble. We got these these ambots in there that were yeah. described as mechanical brutes from the underhive. Yeah. Um, I think they I mean, showed this off before, didn't they? The ambots. I, I think we saw them a few months ago, or at least yeah, the, the one on the right. I think we saw a concept one. or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But they're they're clearly not for Necromunda. They're clearly for war bosses and mega armor. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> or some very the, corrupted Tau. <laughs> also very corrupted Tau. I've seen people These... people posing like obliterators as a good standing. Yo, yeah, yeah, well. that's a good yeah. show. I didn't think of that. Yeah, good yeah. show. God, they, they um, just look so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like I said, they've thrown three of them, uh, you know, three of them at the same time to us. Yeah. So, so yeah, that? and we thought, oh, it's just it's just that. You know, it's no, just that. And then, that. oh, no. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> the Black Legion have to get involved at that point. Um, mm-hmm. And we see probably one of the most badass models of the day, which is a Chaos Sorcerer Apostle type Dang. character, which they've... I think it's yeah, going to be a special named, character. I'm I would sure. say so. Yeah. 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 You know, very very <laughs> much in the theme of um, Hark and the World Claimer that we saw for, obviously, the mm-hmm. part of the Vig- Vigilus release. Um, they've shown this guy off, and he is looking... Amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is. Again, beautiful. very similar to Harkon. You can see where they've gone for that, where it's, it's simple but complicated. I know it's mm. not, I know that sort of contradicts each other, but you know what I mean? Because when we were talking about Harkon, there's parts of him where he's not just all spikes and skulls. Yeah. And obviously, this yeah. guy has got a lot of skulls, but not in that sort of cartoonish way. He just mm. looks mm. just amazing. He's got flaming skulls on his backpack. Yeah. Um, he's got a yeah. ram skull helmet. Um, yeah, yeah, he just Actually, looks amazing. I've seen speculation that he might be an undivided sorcerer, specifically. Yeah, uh, I can believe that. Because, you know, up on the top of his backpack, he's got those three skulls, like a Nurgle trilobe. Someone counted, and apparently there's like 16 skulls, which is a multiple of eight, and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> people but, like, like to go to town with this sort of thing. People <laughs> like to go to town with this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Cool. But, like, I, I think it'll be a special character. Um, something that's not on the community page, which, um, at, at the day, there's a lot of photos of when he was first revealed on the screens, and it was, it was like showing him against his box art. It looks yeah. like they had that green artwork in the background. Someone went, isn't that the Talon of Horus just sticking out from the right side of the box art? <laughs> it's like, Hmm, perhaps mm. it is. <laughs> hmm, perhaps there's an Abaddon. Abaddon's yeah. coming, come on, it's gotta, it's yeah. gotta happen, it, please. Uh, again, there's, Could you imagine there's, there's, <laughs> all exactly, these new Black the, Legion special characters and Abaddon doesn't get a new model? No, it, it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think we're sort of, without knowing, you know, without categorically saying it, the fact that, oh, on, again, when we cover Vigilus later, obviously there is mm. reference to Abaddon coming anyway, so Abaddon coming, I should yeah. say. So, yeah, I mean, this stuff is looking amazing. You know, oh, it's yeah. just, and, it's, and I imagine we're going to see more little teasers between now mm. and obviously what goes down in uh, the start of March, eight, 80 yeah. days later. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, that has been a lovely selection of uh, reveals to start the <laughs> the year off with. It's like, <laughs> and we can take pro- it easy, it won't be hard. And then there's like the first, <laughs> the first weekend of the new year, they're like, look at what we're doing for the next two months. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh man but it's great it's great to you know it just shows mm. the level that they're going to and and like i said there's some i mean i think what summarizes to me well i think two things summarize this selection of reveals that we've that we've just been talking about i think one mm. that they get obviously they've always been good at doing fantastic miniatures but the, yeah. the level of detail and like the posing and things like that is just on point with some of these but mm. also they're now 
actually backing up what they say like right we're supporting kill team here's arena we're supporting blackstone fortress you know here's the dreaded anvil yeah. you know they're actually going yes and, and you're not waiting around for too long well mm. obviously we don't know the release dates but i imagine they're not too far away yeah these things yeah. so kill team's been pretty um pretty hectic in its release rate for expansions to be mm. honest exactly like, it, it's been going like you had rogue trader after a couple of months a couple of months later yep. you had commanders and it looks like it's yep. just gonna keep going which also is exactly. wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bank balances don't, but we love it. No. You know? And it's no. great for us because we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If nothing else, we can live vicariously through everyone else getting all these Exactly. You, you can buy it on our behalf and, yeah. and, and, we'll, and we'll enjoy it from afar. <laughs> yeah. We'll print out a little photo and put it on our desk and just look at it sadly at work. Exactly. I may afford this one day. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, that's been the first news segment of... 2019 um mm-hmm. so we're going to take our next little break and then for the rest of the show we're going to be talking about a certain planet called vigilus back soon hello and welcome back <laughs> it's time for the main law topic time oh, it's boy. time to cover vigilus defiant war of beasts <laughs> Um, so yes, as promised, <laughs> we're going to go through the Vigilist Defiant book from a law perspective. Mm. Uh, there's quite a lot in here, so we're going to, you know, be n- not super quick, but we'll summarise. Mo- <laughs> yeah, because we don't want to do like we did with the Orcs Codex and spend five hours going through yeah. it. Because we've, yeah. you know, we've got technical limitations of how long we can mm. have these episodes <laughs> for. So. Yeah, so we're going to sort of go through it. So we won't cover any of the rules or anything like that. But like I said, it should give you a full overview of the whole Vigilus situation as of as of now. Obviously, this first book, which, is, like I said, is Vigilus Defiant, War of Beasts. So, uh, yeah, and just to summarize before we um, <clears throat> get into it, um, the, the planet is pretty screwed. That's yeah. sort of just pretty much <laughs> <sense. laughs> if If you want to, you know, a little, just a one-liner, it's screwed, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going through a lot. It's quite an emotional, turbulent time. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's kick off with Vigilus. So right, so let's kick off a new kind of battleground. So yeah, so basically, Vigilus is a strategically important planet. Uh, well, even before the Great Rift happened, mm-hmm. uh, basically, uh, it's now vital, e- even more vital. Um, you know, since the the, the Great Rift, basically. It all kicks off with a orc war, you know, as always. You know, you know what the orcs are like; they always get oh, involved. So, unfortunately, in this case, in random, they <laughs> just appear <laughs> out of the out of the warp. Um, basically, a war attacks Vigilus, and obviously, you know, the, knowing that this is a vitally important planet, pro, you know, prior to the to this, you've got um, already Astra Militarum, you've got Sisters of Battle, um, you know, already, and then you know, already prevalent. Uh, prevalent on the on the planet um and also you know this is where certain space marine chapters are nearby and you know even to the point now where you know marnie's kalgar has had to get involved <laughs> to help mm, to defend mm. this particular planet so you know as you know per the great rift it's caused a lot of problem for a lot of part of the uh, of the galaxy and the whole you know and obviously <laughs> the whole of the imperium it's basically taken down the planet defenses because the planet defenses of vigilus are quite important it's uh, got a lot of force field technology based from mm. the the admech and their uh, stcs so unfortunately the great rift as you know has taken down their their planetary defenses or their main 
point mm. of defending. Um, you know, so now you've got orcs that have attacked, you've got Gene Steel cults have decided to uprise at this particular time as well, <laughs> because ultimately the orcs have sort of they you know, they don't want the orcs beating them to it. So basically mm. they've they've risen up at quite well, for, for Vigilus, they've <laughs> arisen at quite an inappropriate time and, mm-hmm. you know, to obviously take advantage of the situation. And now, and now because of this, um, there's basically all eyes are now on Vigilus, you know, so yeah. it's wide open to, te- to chaos attack, which we'll talk about shortly, you know, especially since the fall of Cadia. Um, and basically Vigilus, sort of a summary in, as a planet, is part of the Imperial uh uh, part of the obviously the Imperium. It's near the the Natchmund. Is that how, how you pronounce it? The Natchmund. Uh, I, I would say Nachmund. Nachmund. Are we okay? Yep. Okay. <laughs> the Nachmund. So a little more Gormer. Germanic with it. German. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> fine. I, you know, it's uh, there's plenty of things that we're going to butcher probably. Oh yeah. There's so many oh, pronunciations. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, it's vitally important because it's actually one of the two paths of terror as part of the Imperium Sanctus. Um, mm. And obviously, one of the other things that's quite key to Vigilus from a defense point of view is they've inherited a lot of Cadians from obviously the fall of Cadia, which is obviously now what is now known as the pre tempestine exodus, is what it was named, which is quite an interesting (laughs) term. (laughs) Um, Vigilus is ruled by what's called the Aquilian. Aquilarian Council, I believe that's how you pronounce it, which is basically basically a combination of elders and nobles, uh, which is also known as the Council of Cogs to the Adeptus Mm -hmm. Mechanicus that are on Vigilus. Uh, and like a lot of councils, they pretty much can't agree on much, um, Mm, eat before and during (laughs) the attack on the, on Vigilus. So, uh, so yeah, that's what's been, that's how it's all kicking off. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's have a look. At what Vigilus is like. It is uh it's an interesting planet. Uh it's basically it doesn't have an doesn't have an ocean at all. Uh and really the continents are formed by these massive sprawling hive cities. Normally hive cities build up and down because there's a limited amount of land for them to spread onto, mm-hmm. but on this planet they just spread outwards until they are the size of literal continents. And then the ocean uh is basically these horrifically salty deserts where the sand is so filled with salt and other chemicals that actually after a few hours it can completely desiccate you if you're not properly protected so mm-hmm. it, it's almost a little like the uh the thirst water from devastation of baal yeah, not, good point. not, not yeah. quite as fast acting um <laughs> uh and you know in theory you just wear enough protective clothing but it's a desert so there's always all these big dust storms and twisters throwing the sand up and getting it everywhere so it travel between these sort of hive continents is very difficult um basically there's not a lot of productive land but what there is is sort of heavily defended and very rampantly industrialized um the world was was ruled by a planetary governor, uh, as is normal. Uh, as that governor was part of a dynasty, so for you know millennia, this one family has controlled the planet. But it's also famous as a, an Adeptus Mechanicus stronghold because the Mechanicus has a very strong foothold on Vigilus. Uh, it is very near to Warzone Stygius, which is sort of the area around Cadia. Basically, it's quite close mm-hmm. to Cadia and Fenris both. Uh, and so it became sort of a way station, uh, a resupply area for various, you know, regiments and chapters of Space Marines. Um, its exports are also pretty vital. It produces a lot of technology. Um, it was once among the 100 worlds in the segmentum that considered very important for the manpower and material it produced. Uh, and 
the Mechanicus there were blessed with an STC, a standard template construct, for Psy technology force fields. So mm-hmm. all their big cities have psychic barriers around them at all times, which is pretty cool. Um, they're basically installed all over the planet. <laughs> um, and they, they work really great until a massive psychic event turns all of them off. Cough, cough, the Great Rift opening. Cough, cough. <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of in exchange for protecting the entire planet in this way, the Admech are kind of left to their own devices on the continent. They made Mega Borealis. Um, yep. Uh, but that was maybe not a good idea to let them do whatever they want because they keep basically drilling and excavating for a, a black mineral, a, an unusual, uh, an unusual mineral that is present in, uh, Vigilus's crust. And they're the Admech. Uh, they don't care about their methods. And so ever since they began these ex- excavations, there were all of these earthquakes and sort of massive environmental disasters. Uh, it really dried the planet out, like their digging dropped the water table to the point where it's almost impossible to access water throughout <laughs> the entire planet. But they're the Mechanicus, they do what they want, <laughs> they're from the Stiggy's yep. 8 cult, so they really do whatever they want. Um, they dig deeper and deeper. Uh, meanwhile, in the other hive continents, the Ministorum, uh, the church, is sort was sort of making a foothold for itself. Uh, in particular, they managed to install priests in every squad of the local guard regiment, who sort of tirelessly indoctrinated the entire Astra Militarum regiment for Vigilus <laughs> until they <laughs> until they're all basically dogmatic zealots. <laughs> So, um, you know, the more and more Sisters of Battle keep showing up and the Guard keep working with them. And basically at that point, the planetary governor was ruler in name only. Uh, <laughs> there are all these distinct power bases who are like, no, we're in charge, no, we're in charge, which is how you got the Aquilarian Council. It's everyone yep. attempting to make ends meet for themselves uh, in, in a relatively peaceful way. But, you know, more and more blatant power grabs and they go from bickering and infighting to threats of violence and... They're almost about to have a horrific civil war when the skies split open and hell pours out. Um, it certainly <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's an, there's an interesting little side note. Because Vigilus is such a dry planet, water is very important uh, and agriculture is very difficult. So they have interesting ways to keep the food supply up, such as cactus farms, vermin abattoirs, and nutrivats that recycle sweat <laughs> from the population. <laughs> oh, to get to get all the salt and zinc and stuff out of your sweat and put it back into the food so you stay healthy. Uh, and the kind of water that you drink is a status symbol. Most mm. people have to drink really sort of crappy, really low, dirty water that's sort of filled with sulfur, but it's affordable and it'll keep you alive. Uh, the rich and powerful drink Aqua Glacius. Uh, which is mined from the polar ice caps in these giant cubes and then melted down to produce, like, pure glacial water. And the Adeptus <laughs> Mechanicus really go all out. They take asteroids from beyond the planet's orbits that are covered <laughs> yeah. in ice and pull them down to the planet to get their water supply. Um, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> and the, the Ecclesiarchy fills their water supply with holy oil and blesses it. <laughs> so that, that must yeah. be really disgusting to drink. Um, <laughs> Yeah, nice. uh, so a nice little sort of like a cultural footnote there, which I really liked. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just quickly before you get onto your section, uh, once the Great Rift happened, Reboot Gilliman basically said all Imperial calendars up to this point are meaningless because there's so many <laughs> temporal distortions happening because of this massive hole in reality. Basically everyone, 
the opening of the rift is the beginning of history now. You either count back from when it opened or you count forwards in segments yep. of eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, I, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I can't think of any other way they would do it, to be honest. Yeah, the, it's the only way yeah, to keep this things This is the starting standard. point. Go before or after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, like, the way you say it is, like, 0.9 Previo is zero years, nine sets of eight hours, so three days before the opening of the Great Rift. Yeah. And then <laughs> post is after the Great Rift, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, this is important because the stuff in this book happens over the course of, like, 20 years. Yes, I feel like it's right, just like, yeah. it sounds like a lot of stuff happening at once, but it's actually over quite a long period of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a bit like when we spoke about Armageddon, you know, where mm. you sort of feel like when you took, when you're actually summarizing it, it's like, yeah, it happened in, it happened in 12 hours. And <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's, no, it's, no. It it's took over like quite a few years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 So, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think it's quite interesting with the, like I said, the time side thing, because I think there's a, I think it says about where Gilliman basically talks to the, Ordos, Ordo Chronos. Mm. So they've got they've got a time devoted section as well. Oh yeah, as well yeah. As it's, as part the, the, it's part of the it's part of the the Adeptus. Uh, what are they? The not the Ministerum. The the scribes. Maybe that is the Ministerum. Yeah. No, yeah. I, th- I think it is because it it's mm. just funny because it's like they've got sections devoted to like assassins and and things like mm. that. Yeah, we we just we just take care. We of make time. sure the calendars <laughs> right. <laughs> Brilliant. Ah. <laughs> oh. So yeah, so the the time has been distorted dramatically due to obviously the Great Rift, the mm. Cicatrix Maledictum. Uh, it's basically tore open throughout the said the whole galaxy. Uh, somehow Vigilus has survived through all this. Um, yeah, they don't really know why. There's just it just mm. has. It just um, missed them. Just barely. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. It's, you know, was it fate? Was it any other reason? But somehow Vigilus uh, seemed to survive this great event happening. Um, and like we said, because that's what's now made it even more, you know, more important to to mm. everyone now. <laughs> Not just the Imperium. <laughs> everyone wants a piece of Vigilus now because, like you said, because it's part of this Nachmund uh, Gauntlet um, mm. that's obviously connected. That's near a place called or connected to a place called uh daravar which is basically a night world um which leads like i said to the sangria terror um which is not terror itself it's a planet named after terror yes exactly yeah yeah not holy terror (laughs) (laughs) bloody terror terror. yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly but you know ultimately it, it is one of the few ways to get back to to Holy mm. Terror, in the end, is mm. like I said, is is you know via this particular gauntlet. Uh, it's still you know it's still not easy, but it's actually it's a, a relatively safe way compared to trying to actually yeah. get through the Great Rift, which is yeah, you know, yeah. almost nigh impossible. Um, so, like I said, no known reason why Vigilus survived. Uh, but like I said, you've now got the Imperium, you've got traitors, you've got the Jakari want to get involved, you've got the Craftworlds mm. now. See its importance. Like I said, everyone is getting involved, which makes this whole situation very confusing at times and like mm. and like cameron said it is done over the space of quite a few years whereas like you said if you think god this is all going on in a day and <laughs> all these <Yeah>. races are getting <laughs> involved um and because of the great rift um the council in their infinite wisdom decided to go quite old school with their laws <laughs> they decided that people can't look at the sky because obviously the sky has now got this big purplish hue to it um because yeah. obviously the great rift um and because of their again their old school way of thinking they decided that ah, people don't look at the sky because if you look at the sky you'll pretty much go crazy and corrupt um which is 
you know has yeah, some sort yeah, of truth to it um <laughs> they they in- basically instigated a nighttime curfew for people where you you know basically you had to be in bed by you know cinderella you had to be in bed or back <laughs> from the ball by 12 o'clock um which again is part of the same process i this obviously led ironically to rebellion because obviously the mm. idea was that it would they didn't want people becoming corrupt obviously because obviously that would yeah. be a problem but obviously because of that, because of these curfews, you can't even look at the sky. People started mm. to look to, towards cults and then decided to rebel against them. Um, you started seeing things manifest like nightmares and dark dreams. Uh, people were, you know, due to the warp above, it was mm. just slowly corrupting people in various different ways, or at least scaring them. Uh, and like I said, in many different ways, you, obviously because of the rebellion, this led to different little skirmishes. You had assassinations and things like that, just general unrest. Mm as yeah. you'd imagine. So even though the planet has survived, it's a bit <laughs> out of sorts, <laughs> as you would imagine. Um, talking to Daravar, which, like I said, is the night world that's nearby. It's run by a guy called King Caglius, uh, um, mm. who who was already quite paranoid before the Great Rift, and it obviously yeah. made him even more paranoid. Um, it's speculated this is often because basically he's got chaos on both sides of way, mm. the way that the planet is situated. So... Understanding makes him a little bit paranoid. Um, this would actually lead to when, you know, ships were going, you know, spaceships and um, craft were going nearby. He would have a very suspicious uh, viewpoint of <laughs> anyone mm. that was like, oh, we just want to, can we just dock just to get some fuel? No, <laughs> I don't trust you. Um, but this led to basically them becoming uh, excommunicate traitorous or yeah. traitorous in the end, um, because basically he was, he just was, he didn't want to be a part of the Imperium because of his paranoia and, and basically just became quite independent really. But yeah. you know, that's to his, uh, to his detriment. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Let's 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 talk green and let's talk fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you might have remembered when we covered the Orc Codex, uh, when the Great Rift opened, a bunch of Orcs just flew their ships into it because clearly this is the way to get where the fight's at. Uh, as it so happens, when the Great Rift opened right around Vigilus, it spat a speed wire out of it directly into the planet's <laughs> area. Um, but you know, all the astropaths and all the sanctioned seers and prophets are all kind of a little put off by the Great Rift, so none of them were having proper vision. So there was no warning that this was going to happen. Uh, and so the Navy was prepared. This massive fleet of orc battleships suddenly appeared, punched through the Navy cordon, and landed on Vigilus in the desert between the hive sprawls. Uh, and basically formed a bunch of ready-made cities with the crashed ships with their own, with their own, like, void shields to protect them normally from missile fire instead of protecting them from the ravages of the desert. Uh, <laughs> they become the, they sort of became these massive scrap cities where the orcs could send out convoys to attack nearby hives. Um, you know, for days and days, there was the hammering of metal, the thudding of guns, you know, orc mechs yelling at each other, and then just a, a hundred different mechan, completely mechanized orc speed armies just appeared out of the desert and led by the speed lord supreme, Cruel Dacker. <laughs> that's amazing um, <laughs> yeah um for a, for a fair while uh the orcs were kind of actually unable to do any real damage because of all these wonderful psychic force fields around each of the hives and so instead they would like lay ambushes on the roads between the hives take out convoys and things like that uh some of them took to racing each other around the planet uh, and that's where <laughs> speed freaks the boxed game comes in <laughs> yep 
Yep. Yeah. Uh, some of them even skirted this massive permanent dust swarm known as the Vulian Swirl, although none of them actually dared to drive into it. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the Great Rift got even bigger and eventually got really interfering in a psychic manner and shut down all the force fields. Uh, now, normally... Don't. Yeah, now normally, if orcs were like any other force and just were sitting back and sieging the cities, they wouldn't have realized the force fields had shut off off for quite a while. But because they're the orcs and they're constantly trying to drive into the force fields for like (laughs) flips and kicks, they noticed immediately (laughs) and immediately got to invading every single hive city on the planet. You know, the Adeptus Mechanicus, the Astra Militarum, and the Scissor of Battles are all sort of engaged on all fronts, trying to just stop them from penetrating deeper and deeper into the hive sprawls. Um, even the main agricultural hive, Mortwald, which was actually protected not just by a force field, but by, like, miles and miles of trench work around it, uh, was pretty, was pretty, uh, pretty heavily, uh, battered just within a few days. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, they're always prepared for an attack from without. But what happens, Matt, when the attack comes from within? Oh, well, <laughs> you're pretty screwed, is what. Yeah. <laughs> which is quite a common theme throughout the whole of Vigilus. Where, like I said, I think for Vigilus and its inhabitants, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Mm. And this this is where we see the rise of the uh, the pauper princes, which is one of the other main players uh, involved in Vigilus, which is the Gene Stealer cults. Uh, so mm. basically, this is basically all kicked off years ago so before anything of the great yeah. rift happened 210 basically, years earlier well exactly one or, two, one, one or two years yeah. uh, so yeah so t- <laughs> 210 years prior some uh pure strain gene steers were sent by the pauper princes from a place called chances Vale to basically infiltrate vigilus uh one managed to uh which basically decided to nestle under Megaborealis, uh, started a cult and became what was known as the Patriarch, the Grand Sire Worm, who's, again, a very <laughs> predominant character through this uh, through this war. Uh, so, obviously, when the walks attacked, this led, like I said earlier, this led to a premature uprising of the of the Gene Steeler cults, because why not? You know, there's chaos, mm. not, not literally yet, but uh, there's a lot going on, you know, up on the uh, planet surface, let's uh, let's cause mm. some trouble while we're here because yeah. you know, basically Look, they've been we've spending hard. <laughs> exactly, we're not having the orcs coming along and buggering up our chances, so <laughs> we're getting involved now. Vigilus, bad luck. Um, so basically, mm. uh, Grand Sire Worm uses his psychic powers to coordinate attacks on all the different hive sprawls, uh, especially one called uh, Dirk Den, which we'll cover shortly. Um, basically, talking to Dirk Den, it's it was. You know, it's basically known as the weak and quite undeveloped of the hive sprawls. Mm. Uh, so, for the poor, you know, the pauper princes, they p- properly took advantage of this. This, you know, made perfect sense to them, uh, using them sort of ways of manipulation and corruption and infiltration. Uh, they gained access to shut down the shields uh, via the sort of basically the the tech magi that they managed to uh, take advantage of. And obviously, the great thing is because of the great rift, this. You know, for the you know the the local defences that are in charge of mm. maintaining keeping the shields up or force fields up running, uh, obviously they thought it was just the Great Rift, which actually it wasn't. <laughs> it was they just the, you know flicked a switch while we're here, turns mm. off the the shield. 
So, uh, and due to this corruption, you know, they, uh, the pauper princes at this point decided to take it even one step further. So basically they managed to convince around 4,000 of the local troops to basically go out and defend against the orcs. So they said, you know, until the shields come up. So yeah, don't worry. We've got it. We've got it covered. You know, we're just going to use our, our spanner and wrenches, get the force field back mm-hmm. out. You go and you go out outside, look after the orcs. And we'll let you, we'll let, don't worry, we'll let you know when the shields are back up. Um, <laughs> obviously, this is not how way, the way things go and led to betrayal. Because um, obviously, they just put the shields back, you know, the shield back up and they were just caught, you know, by all the orcs. And that led to uh, 15,000 orcs taking out all the different troops. So, uh, in, again, in this particular high sprawl in Dirk, then uh, many of the local workers fled to Hyperia, which is sort of basically the, the capital as such, mm. or capital area of um, of Vigilus. Uh, basically, obviously, the, the good thing is from the Pauper Prince's point of view, it allowed them to influence uh, Hyperia as well, because obviously the whole, whole point of what obviously what gene steer cults do is they infiltrate they pretend mm. to be part of the the normal population and then yeah. obviously they corrupt from there so obviously because there's obviously a lot of chaos a lot of people you know panicking and and all that they just fled and obviously that allowed the uh like i said the pauper princes to get involved there um on one of the other particular hive sprawl which is o- one called otec which is known for basically its reservoirs and its uh, water supplies um obviously again another way that they could get involved is that they ended up you know basically could look to corrupt the water there as well which again mm. you know everything that you'll see when I mean, we everything to do with the pauper princes and the gene stealer cults is basically what can they do to disrupt you know that, that is their sort of <laughs> key mm. thing that they'll do <laughs> which obviously makes things very difficult for everyone involved on the uh on the planet so uh yeah do you want to uh talk about some certain hidden, hidden agendas yeah, so uh, the Aquilarian Council's having a bit of a rough time. You know, they watch the orcs running into the Cyforce fields and sort of bouncing off. They're like, yeah, it's fine. Everything's going great. What's this uh, What's this about insurrection, rebelling? What? What? Mm? Mm? <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, um, ba- basically, the, the actual communications about what was going on with the Gene Steel Cold Uprising were very sort of scattered and imprecise. And so, really... They just went, oh, it's malcontents, criminals, and opportunists. It's looters. You know, it's looters and rioters. It's nothing more than that. Absolutely no cult-like activities going on. So, uh, you know, we'll just we'll just get the Adeptus Arbides to take care of them, or maybe we'll have some of the Astra Militarium just shoot them all, something like that. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> basically, they, they send the Arbides in, they send some of the Astra Militarium in, and uh, it's worse than they thought, because there's weird symbols on all the walls, and there's these weird four-armed creatures running around killing the guard platoons, and everyone's whispering Xenos, uh, and everyone in charge went, you know what? I Xenos sound dangerous. We just saw a whole bunch of Xenos outside the walls, all those orcs. Uh, let's, let's lock everything down in our ivory <laughs> towers. We'll get all our personal security. Uh, we'll get all of the sisters of battle and we'll keep them with us. Uh, never mind the fact that all these Xenos are like hundreds of miles away from where we are. We need the sisters of battle here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even the Adeptus Mechanicus went, hey, we're pulling, we're pulling out of the pole. Uh, we're, we're pulling out of our sort of our water mining operation and we're just going back to our continent and we're waiting this whole thing out uh and you know this breaks down the industry of the entire planet they're no longer producing arms they're no longer training soldiers things like that uh and basically all the convoys that go between all the different hives sort of slow to a crawl and any that do go- any that do go out get ambushed by the orcs so uh you know they <laughs> 
because because they're sort of have their own agendas, they're sort of looking out for themselves. The leadership has, have effectively completely neutered the entire planet's ability to defend <laughs> itself. Um, and even worse, that damn hole in the sky is still there. And, you know, we've, we've put out that nighttime curfew, but all these artists and madmen are still scrolling these big swirls that look exactly like it. And really, really badly is all these kids are being born with a weird birthmark that looks exactly like the Great Rift and has a tiny, thin line of unmarked tissue that represents the Nakmund Gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's mildew growing in the water purification plants in the shape Lovely. of the Rift and things like that. It's like, the Ecclesiarch is okay. We're going to stop this in its tracks. We're going to burn everyone with this birthmark. We're going to burn all the mildew out of it. And then, you know, there's all these planetary earthquakes from the Adeptus Mechanicus's mining uh, operations. But now, whenever an earthquake happens, a big hole opens up in the ground in the exact shape <laughs> of the Great Rift with a little <laughs> land bridge representing the... Nut- like, it's symbolism. Look at it. Yeah, look at, the, look more, at how much trouble you're in. Quite extreme crop circles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really extreme crop circles. <laughs> like, hey, wake up everyone. Chaos is coming. This is a chaos problem you're dealing with. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, what happened next? So, yeah. So, let's talk about the doom from within. Mm. Um, so, this is where... Luckily, some space marines decide to get involved now. Uh, mm-hmm. So the Iron Hands and the Brazen Claws uh, somehow managed to expertly navigate themselves to Vigilus, because like I said, getting to mm-hmm. Vigilus is a bit of a nightmare, but uh, they're a pretty dab hand at doing that. So they managed yeah. to get here safely or without minimal uh, loss. Uh, basically, their ships, as soon as they come down, decide to target the rear of the orcs that are obviously planet side at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and you'll find this, again, a common theme throughout any of the Space Marine chapters is they don't bother really consulting with like mm. the local <laughs> council or what's going on. They just get on with what's happening. They're like, oh, there's some orcs down there. I'm, we're just going to attack them, if you don't mind. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll catch up later. Um, so basically, they said they target the rear of the orcs. Uh, so the Iron Hands chapter master, which, who's known as uh, Cardan Stronos, uh, basically priority was i'm going to take these orcs out because obviously at that point that's the only thing they really knew what was going on because uh, obviously mm. they were there out driving around racing around doing you know half pipes and things like mm. that mm. so <laughs> so basically the uh the space the the marines of the iron hands and the brazen calls basically drop into the major you know using drop pods drop into the major hive sprawls uh but they don't find any orcs and they're a bit confused but uh obviously when they dropped into mega borealis they found the pauper princes um which obviously <laughs> probably took them slightly by surprise mm. so the the council basically sent defenses to uh, had sent defenses to mega borealis to calm the situation uh the spire had been taken down that was there uh, and basically ended up making a bridge for the orcs to uh to to storm in so basically the the rbts and the sisters of battle were mm. end up being ambushed and stranded tanks ended up falling into chasms and killed by various mutants that happened to be under the under the surface basically so this obviously with the whole situation made the evacuation very difficult because obviously the problem is now the pauper princes were very embedded into the population so it was very difficult mm. to tell who was who um and then ultimately this led to the whole command structure of that side of things to be literally tore apart because they they got they become yeah. so entrenched in there that um yeah the poor princes really took uh center stage of it um there was a particular battle which is called battle for the seeping delta 
which is based on the the midwestern fringe of megaborealis which ultimately means where the the shields went down uh mm. it was a uh, very much known for its poisoned grounds it became basically a death zone you had this combination of orcs you know fighting skatari uh you know it was an area where vehicles were of very little use because of the landscape you know millions on both sides ended up dying um so to, to sort this situation a particular fabricator called vosh uh ordered for it to basically be lit up so mm. what he decided to order is that that basically a load of promethean was put down uh so a combination of promethean and 600 uh catafron breaches uh obviously with their <laughs> with their flamethrowers uh and basically lit up the whole place uh obviously that ended up taking out pretty much all the orcs in that particular area mm. but obviously the skatari as well but from the fabricator's point of view, they saw it as a bit of a win. <laughs> to be honest, it was a it was worth the sacrifice. So yeah. uh, yes, yeah. quite a common theme. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so talking about the defense of uh, Megaborealis. Yeah. Um, so sort of early on, all the fighting was around a place called Borhive Scalaris. Scalaris. Um, it's sort of the south of the continent, and it's the area that produces all the geothermal energy to power the entire Adeptus Mechanicus operation. It's sort of the key area of the entire continent. Um, and, you know, at, at when the orcs first attacked, uh, basically there was a, a tech priest, tech priest Dominus Ipluvius Fourteenth. Um, <laughs> spent over 80 nights with his co- with his own cogitators running hot as he tried to categorize the entire war and also <laughs> trying to work out what's going on with the sky and coordinating all these Onaga dune crawlers to make sure the orc jets don't like throw bombs down across important operation zones, things like that. He's doing a lot of work to make sure he's doing a proper defense and everything, so good job there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however, you know, orcs are want to throw themselves at force fields, whether they're speed freaks doing dares with each other, playing chicken with a psychic force field, or they're commandos who are just, like, patiently waiting for their opening. And so, very quickly, um, as soon as the shields went down, orcs were everywhere, as orcs tend to do. Um, basically, as soon as he realized this, Epluvius froze. He he got the blue screen, nothing's working anymore, and no one knew <laughs> exactly screen. why. No, it's literally... <laughs> Like, yeah, no. <laughs> he, his, maybe his cogitators were damaged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe his cogitators were damaged. Maybe he'd been hypnotized <laughs> by one of the pauper princes. Or maybe he was just paralyzed by fear and was stuck in, like, a negative feedback loop of mental processes. Yeah, true, what, true. Whatever, whatever the reason, he was literally just standing still, doing nothing for a significant period of time, during which all of his forces had no orders because of how the mechanicus work. If there's no mm-hmm. orders coming from the top... Not a lot is going to happen at the bottom. Um, you know, there's all these Imperial Knights ready to defend the defend the Hive Sprawl. There's there's a legion of Titans ready to defend the Hive Sprawl, and nothing's happening. Like the defenders, the Skatari on the ground level are basically just doing their best defensive battle with no support because nothing's being mobilized to help them. Yeah. Um, and worst of all, a subsect of the Pauper Princes, the Writhing Worms, uh did the worst thing possible. They stole a Vortex missile and used <laughs> it to this. blow up all of the Titans. <laughs> like, all of them. <laughs> they blew up a Warlord Titan with it, and the chain <laughs> explosion destroyed every single Titan in the hangar. <laughs> it just destroyed the most powerful weapon in the entire <laughs> in the entire continent. Um, and eventually, uh, someone by the name of Archmagos Nessium Caldrike 
took Epluvius, who was still standing, still not working, put him in cryo storage and took over. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, like, someone has to organize the defenses, and he did a pretty good job. Uh, he was working with uh, client company Cargill from the Iron Hands, uh, and basically stopped stopped the Gene Steel cults from getting a lot of momentum and forced, in, instead of being sweeping advances by the Gene Stealers and by the Orcs, he managed to force it into, like, sort of a grinding stalemate. Which mm-hmm. is the best he could hope for, honestly. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, I love that bit with the uh, with the, <laughs> the yeah. Titans. I just think, yeah. and again, it just shows how powerful the Gene Stealer cults can be. How mm. like what they can do, yeah. you know, when they get properly entrenched in the mm. in the population. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> ah, right. But let's you know, the, I said the Imperials are on the back foot, but let's let's try and counterattack. you know there's a lot of orcs yeah. out in the uh, in the wastes causing trouble so let's uh, let's let's take it to them so basically the astra militarum went basically went out to to take on these particular orcs using like their valkyries and vendetta gunships uh, and they use basically various units uh, to basically mm. resupply in the field uh, even to the point where you've got conscripts plugging holes in water tanks using their fingers <laughs> it, oh, it no. got to real it got to real <laughs> that's what you signed up for son <laughs> uh, to do these sort of things so as i say naturally orcs as we know are always looking for a fight so uh, they uh, decided to attack back and attack the uh, Astra Militarum tanks uh, obviously which included many losses especially on the orc side initially but mm. obviously as the battle went on more orcs heard about the fighting and they decided yeah. to stop racing and obviously come in to uh, take on the uh, the Astra Militarum so obviously that's what ended up, mm. up happening that the Astra Militarum basically got swarmed with too many orcs they <laughs> literally bit off more than they can chew um, you've got a particular battle battle that was also quite prevalent at this point which is the battle of morning gorge uh, which is based on the outskirts of megaborealis uh, with a particular orc known as uh, fragbad <laughs> fragbag squigbiter um, <laughs> took <laughs> god that's a good i love this i love this i love the name and i love the story basically he ends up taking out most of of his particular part of the speedwar and the 21st there's 121st goliath armored battle group by basing hurling so many stick bombs a death strike missile launcher that this took out the cliff (laughs) that this particular missile launcher was on the warhead ended up falling into the canyon and (laughs) basically just destroying pretty much most of the both sides at that point um but obviously, it was still the the orcs' advantage at this point. So, because obviously there's so many of them, so the the basically the orcs ended up encircling Storval and obviously taking out this particular supply mm. route as well. So, uh, yeah, orcs up to mischief. <laughs> um, so we uh, go to Dontoria and see yeah, what's going on there. Yeah. So uh, Dontoria is is, or I should say, honestly, was the largest inhabited region on Vigilus. Uh, <laughs> it was noted for one thing above all else overpopulation <laughs> which is a wonderful thing to be well known for this place is known for like oh we, we make the sweetest most tastiest water um, what are you known for oh there's just too many of us we've got big yeah families. we've got three billion people per <laughs> 10 square kilometers what are you going to do about it yeah <laughs> Um, yeah yeah um so the reason dontoria was so big was um a lot of the other hive sprawls while they did sprawl outwards they still built upwards quite a bit uh whereas in dontoria they went it's pointless building anything over one story we're just going to spread out as much as we can uh (laughs) and 
they spread outwards from the edges of the hive, obviously, but within the hive they also spread outwards to where all the roads and alleys basically disappeared and large portions of it were sort of one continuous hab block. You know, there's a wall and a ceiling over your head no matter where you go, you're basically still in the same building. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Basically, you know, there's subterranean levels uh, where people also live all packed together, but power power cuts are common. Uh, unfortunately, this sort of massive concentration of people, um, attracted lots of different predatory, uh, groups to the area. Uh, the Drukari, who come raiding out of the polar ice caps, uh, often sort of hit the, hit the hive sprawl to grab slaves to bring back to Komara. Uh, the pauper princes, of course, said, hey, this is where literally all the people are. We should start converting people over there. (laughs) Um, but it was actually... Uh, an entirely different thing that brought down Dontoria. Uh, about, about two years and a few months after the Cicatrix Maledictum opened up, uh, the, the, the spaceport over Dontoria, uh, received reports of an unknown vessel. Uh, it was a really, really, really old Imperial styled vessel, but it was just covered in all kinds of weird filth and like old cork and things like that. Um, and you know, its crew also ignored all the, hey, please stop and identify yourself before docking procedures, and so they opened fire, they tried to shoot it down, uh, but no matter what, it really, uh, it really wasn't phased too much. As it docked, as it docked all the spaceport garrison troops, all the arbitrators were sort of there to repel borders as it was, hatches opened, and a massive flood of sort of distorted, horrifically mutated zombies poured out, because it's the Galapox, everybody! Yay! Yay! (laughs) Just to add to the confusion, they just thought, why not? Let's get involved. Yeah, yeah, just, why not? We need need to put Rogue Trader, the Kill Team expansion, here as well, I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But uh, Galapox wasn't all it was, uh, because the Galapox themselves were just a screen for what was behind them, uh, which was a contingent of Death Guard. Mm. And so while all the defenders were busy dealing with a massive horde of zombies that were in their faces, the Death Guard walked out of their ship, took a few shots, uh, as in they were shot at, not that they shot back, and just kind of disappeared into the hive. No one mm-hmm. could find out where they went, which is a little a little worrisome that there's, you know, a few dozen slash a couple of hundred Death Guard plague marines just somewhere in the most densely populated area in the in the entire planet. Thing um, is, I, I when I read when I read this, I thought of you, and I thought, oh, he's, now this is going to inspire Cameron to do some Death Guard commandos, like to do some <laughs> like, big, bulky yet yeah. you know quiet Death Guard that oh, managed to sneak man. into places. <laughs> That's actually great. I want to do a Death Guard assassin. Hell yeah! <laughs> Sneaking around with his power armor set to silent. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and basically, the, 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 the solution to this problem, because the Death Guard had sort of gotten into the underlevels and the sewers of the Hive, and no one could really find them, half the squads that went down found nothing, the other half ended up dead. Uh, the Tempestus Scions, one of them, Tempestor Nyod, was in control of the area, and just said, hey, just firebomb the lower levels of the Hive within two miles of where they got in, and it should be fine. It should be fine. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, a couple of months later, everyone started getting sick. Because everyone was getting the Galapox. Exactly. Because, in the, in the yeah. most overpopulated place in the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is really, 
really awkward, honestly. And I mean, the worst thing about the Galapox is, uh, people like the Adeptus Mechanicus are particularly susceptible to it, because it merges flesh and metal together a bit like the, yeah. uh, the flesh metal virus that the obliterators have. Mm-hmm. But there's the, there's the really awful thing is, like, people suffering from it can merge even while they're sleeping, so I had the horrible image of, like, someone going to sleep on their, like, little rusted iron imperial-issued cot, and just waking <laughs> up stuck to it, and, like, having to crawl <laughs> around with it on their back. <laughs> 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 a lovely image. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, hey, uh, the the overpopulated zone is being ravaged by disease. Who would have guessed? <laughs> yes. Who would have known? Well, let's let's mix it up. Let's let's go to the Space Marines. Let's see what they're up to. Um, mm. So basically, various Space Marine strike forces were, were already on the way to Vigilus via the uh, Stygius mm. sector when the Great Rift happened, uh, which luckily for them, therefore made the route. A bit easier than than others mm. than obviously if they'd got properly caught in the Great Rift. Uh, yeah. So at this point, the the Brazen Claws went to Hyperia to tackle the Orcs, as we said. Um, at this particular area as well, the uh, Sister Battle uh, Armored Lady had been defending this area for about a year or so uh, when the Brazen mm. Claws arrived. Um, has they were in a, a bit of a weird situation where they weren't allowed to counterattack. They were only allowed to defend. The council said, nope, you can only defend. Don't, yeah, you know, whereas yeah. obviously, which frustrated the sisters about, because oh, I think yeah. at that point they felt they could, they couldn't get <laughs> finished the job. But for some reason, the council just said, nope, you're only mm. there to defend. That's all you do. So that's where the brazen claws went. The iron hands went to Mega Borealis uh, to help their adeptus uh, mechanics. Canicus allies that were there, mm-hmm. uh, and the Space Wolves went to the Otec Hive Sprawl to basically deal with the Xenos there, which is the the uh, the Gene Stealer cults, um, as we know from uh, Tooth and Claw. Uh, so quite un- quite odd for the the Space Marines. They sort of barely communicated initially. Um, I suppose, be, like I said earlier, they just wanted to get on with the job, really. Um, mm-hmm. So even to the point where they just only started communicating with each other, you know, across the various chapters. But like I said. Mm-hmm earlier rather than dealing with the council you know let's not get involved with the politics inside of things let's 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 just yeah let's all team up as as space marines let's get the fight to them uh so at this point because of the plight of the situation because obviously space marine chaps that have just come down we're like wow this is really going <laughs> downhill <laughs> this planet we, re- we really need more help so basically librarians were used to communicate the the whole plight of vigilus uh, mm-hmm. and the chaos attacks that were on the horizon um, on local planets. So basically, they had to risk sending psychic messaging for help, which obviously because mm-hmm. of the Great Rift, the warp and reality is all over the place. So sending you know psychic messaging is not an easy thing to do no. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it uh, took uh, uh, Targaryus of the Ultramarines, obviously their chief librarian. He sent basically an astral message to Marnius Calgar. Uh, literally touching, you know, or <laughs> astrally <laughs> touching the temples and relaying all the images to Calgar, uh, to who at this point was actually still recovering from his uh, Primaris upgrade <laughs> operation. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, Calgar knew that the Ultramarines needed to get involved and basically any other Marines that Calgar could get hold of at this point because uh, prior to that, uh, Rabute Gilliman had said, that we cannot at any point let Vigilus, you know, fall. This is a, a like we've said multiple times, this is a very important planet to the Imperium mm-hmm. and obviously the, where its particular position is compared to the Great Rift, you cannot let it fall. Uh, I mean, Tigarius had, had literally aged decades through this yeah. whole process. You know, he mm-hmm. was, 
<laughs> he got the job done, but a slight uh, a slight cost to himself <laughs> from a yeah, from a yeah. physical point of view. Uh, but obviously, it now gets Calgar and the Ultramarines. You know, the, like I said, the the chapters are already there. I think it. Nah, we need we need some help, guys. Mm. This is not. You know, this is really going bad. Um, and uh, yeah, talking of uh, Mister Calgar. Yeah, he went on a road trip. Um. He, d- he did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so as soon as he sort of recovered from being, like, spirit-visited in the middle of the night and being told all this horrific information, Calgar did his best to very quickly gather every single Adeptus Society's asset that he could. Uh, because he's a ta- such a tactical genius and he's so smart, he basically would pair off resources from relatively stable fronts. So, you know, it's like, oh, you know, nothing's gone wrong here in, like, the last couple of years of fighting, so can we have half your Marines, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, he orders he, the Ultramarine captains and some fellow chapter masters to brief their navigators on what's at stake to make sure that the navigators know that they have to absolutely get there no matter what. And then everyone made haste for Vigilus. Um, basically, it would take way too long to get there under normal circumstances, but because Tigurus had made a direct astropathic link between himself and Kalgar... They were able to sort of take advantage of that to guide the entire fleet directly there. Uh, and so Tigurius gathers up his best disciples and sort of effectively pulls the fleet faster through the warp towards them at the cost of most of the initiates dying horrifically <laughs> or being executed by chaplains when they begin to be corrupted. And uh, yeah, Tigurius himself gets even older. <laughs> like, he's had a rough time <laughs> in the lore. Like... It's not in this book, but before this, you know, he stared into the hive mind and had a pretty rough time as well. Like he's not, he's not <laughs> had a good, he's not had a good couple of hundred years. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's written them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a safe journey. Like they got there really quickly, but on the way, they lost a lot of barges and strike cruisers that either, you know, were caught up in chaos ambushes on the way, or were just swallowed up by an eddy in the warp. Uh, everyone left sort of grits their teeth, squares their jaws, and keeps going, though, because this is damn important. You know, Gilliman himself said, take care of this goddamn planet. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, basically, as soon as Gil- Gilliman arrives, he starts communicating with all the space marines already on Visualist, but he doesn't bother talking to the Aquilarian Council or the Planetary Governor. He's like, no, I don't have any time for politics. Just got to get going. Um <laughs> You know, where do we need to be? You guys are on the ground. Tell me everything. And sort of gets together the beginning of stitching together the defenses into this coherent whole. Um, and once he's done that, he goes to sort out the Aquilarian Council. He doesn't... <laughs> he he basically runs in, you know, followed up by his honor guard, etc., etc. Uh, if people try to stop him, uh, basically his guards take care of them. Because there's no time for delay. Either, either it says pacifies defenders. I'm imagining a Primaris Marine probably just shot the first guardsman who tried yeah. to stop Calgar <laughs> yeah, walking yeah. through a door. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a. It reminds me of a scene in a film where I swear, like mm. a character is literally just like swanning through, you know, confidently yeah. to a particular through a corridor, and they're like, and he's like henchman or you know guard are taking mm. out anyone that goes nearby. But I can't think of what it is to be fair. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's the image I see. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and basically he he bursts into the Council of Cogs and demands an explanation for why the war effort's gone this poorly so far. And it's like, oh, there's no glory here. It's all rotted and corrupted. Uh, this is a room full of feckless incompetence, <laughs> which, mm, <laughs> beautiful. 
basically, as soon as they got over the shock of him showing up, they immediately began, began like, betraying each other and saying, no, it's this guy's fault that our defense is so bad. No, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. Uh, basically, Kalga points out the people he thinks are the worst in the group and are prob- and are probably most responsible and gets his, uh, gets his guards to begin rounding them up. Uh, but one of them, when seized, roughly, uh, his shirt started coming off and it revealed knobbly purple skin under a thin <laughs> layer of paint. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's the Gene Steeler cultists and there are more of them because another member of the council jumps up with a knife and tries to stab a Marine for grabbing his friend. Um, <laughs> and basically, the Space Marines execute slash capture the entire council. <laughs> like... If you try to fight them, they killed you. If you didn't try to fight them, they chained you up. Uh, and Manis Kaga goes, screw it, the Aquilarian Council's disbanded, I'm in charge. Yep. Me and all the other chapter masters here are in charge. We can't let the Xenos taint, you know, affect the war effort anymore. Everything goes through us. We are the new government, no matter what. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the tendrils of corruption run deep. As exactly. They say. As they do indeed. Let's see what the uh, Space Wolves are up to. So the Space Wolves arrived soon, you know, to Vigilus after it all kicked off, really. They were pretty soon on the on the mark, and they basically realised that the water supply had to be defended. They realised that, mm. you know, that's one of the main things that uh, is keeping the planet going. So uh, their particular battle was a primaris battle leader, Haldor, Haldor Ice Pelt, arriving mm. with his black mains. They basically headed to Otec, well, like I said, which is the, the area that's known for its reservoirs and the water supply. Um, basically, they believed that the true enemy was under the uh, the Gregan Hollow, which the, the be- and was led to basically the area had been shelled at that point. So the Space Wolves ended up dealing with <laughs> lots of gene stealers. You know, we had toppling buildings on them and everything, you know, it's, as again, as per you see in uh, Tooth and Claw. So the yeah. Space Wolves, you know, in the way, even though they were slightly at a disadvantage from a numbers point of view, they were in a good position because they're used to hunting. You know, that's what that's what they mm. did back on Fenris. So the Space Wolves basically started hunting below, tracking this particular splinter faction known as the Claw of the Thirsting Worm. Uh, you know, they ended up dealing with lots of different traps, uh, barriers. They ended up dealing with the Icon Bearer, uh, which is known as uh, Gilgus Vendella, and the Abominant... War leader known as Breg as well. Again, <laughs> out of uh, tooth. And- I like his name. Like he's called yeah. Gilgus Vendella, and this is oh, this is Breg. This is Breg. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like the forty k equivalent of and this is Bob. Bob, yeah, <laughs> oh, it's just Breg. That's all he's known. You don't need to know his surname. Um, mm. So it's a basically ice pelt. <laughs> Uh, with the help of a particular Redemptor Dreadnought known as Asker the Frozen, uh, basically smashed a path through all these different traps and defences that the this particular faction had, had uh, left for them to get through. Uh, so basically, Icepel ordered the Black Mains above on the uh, on the surface to basically blow up the explosives at the same time because basically the Gene Steeler cults at this point had basically planted different you know explosions mm. or sorry different explosives everywhere to basically take out uh, the space walls and obviously the water supply as well so the idea was by blowing them up at the same time the city would drop uh, and then that would stop the polluted water that was you know that the obviously that the uh, mm. this particular gene steeler cult had, uh, had, uh, had implemented so because basically the thirsting worm had been populating the water for years you know with different potions and even to the fact they were using their own blood as well to 
which just <laughs> sounds absolutely vile. Um, mm. <laughs> and obviously, you know, but also by using their own blood, it made it basically let hope their sort of ultimate aim was so that the population could also be manipulated. So it wasn't just to cut off mm. their water supply; it was also to, uh, like I said, to manipulate them. Uh, you know, so point so to the point that the basically the water had like a purple or he- yellow hue depending on mm. what was happening at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, very very lovely. Um, so you know, I, I imagine just thinking about they probably think it was the reflection of the great rift above them and thinking oh it's purple water no it's just a reflection above uh where it actually wasn't (laughs) so uh, so they they ended up retreating uh so basically the space walls would be taken out by the explosions that they had planted uh so you know which obviously gave up ground to the space walls which obviously indirectly led then to their advantage so like i said ice pelt you know um the explosion that happened there basically took out uh, half a mile part of the Gregan Hollow, um, which then ultimately led to the uh, the Death Watch appearing. But basically, the Death Watch came to purge um, mm. the area, but they basically deemed the water too polluted. So Gregan and uh, Agamemnus uh, basically were made uh, what's called condemned, condemned and heartless, and others yeah. were known were were branded vigil extremists. Mm. Um, so yeah, not not an ideal yeah. situation, but. Uh, no. That is what, unfortunately, <laughs> happened for them. Um, mm. So, yeah. So, do you want to talk about the uh, the Eldari getting involved? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the Seer Council of Simhan, which is one of the craft worlds, uh, basically, at the insistence of one of their Farseers, petitioned their clan chieftains to head towards Vigilus because they saw that something was very wrong and that this was an important fight that they needed to influence in some way or another to, you know further their own ends, etc. cetera, set of <laughs> sneaky Eldar plots. Um, <laughs> sort of heading up this assault was an Autark by the name of Relor from Clan Warek and uh, his close relative, a spirit seer, seer Kalinaris. Um, the Farseer had determined that basically a critical point in Vigilus's fate could be shifted by assassinating a single individual by the name of Vanadan the Firebrand, uh, who was sort of a really popular preacher in the Storval area. Uh, and sort of, you know, worship the emperor. He's this fiery orator. Uh, is actually worship siege. Oh, didn't see <laughs> that coming. <laughs> oh, don't tell anyone. Um, you know, basically was seeking to convert the entire area of Storval, uh, into the worship of Zinch. Zinch, and he had seen, and the Farsi had seen that if he managed to do that, basically the entire place would be destroyed in a horrific industrial magma accident. <laughs> because you know they use geothermal power uh <laughs> that would basically burn that entire area all the way up to Saint's Haven which is the spire in the capital hive so it would cause massive devastation kill most of the leaders and destroy the war council resisting the efforts of chaos and the xenos etc etc and so the Eldari pop out of the Webway Gate, which is, as we know from the Drukhari Raiders, hidden in the Polar Ice Cap, uh, the Kalex yep. Bane area. Uh, they basically avoid their <laughs> sadistic cousins and make haste uh, riding on jet bikes and wave serpents. Uh, they find Vanadan, kill him immediately. Uh, but basically the uh, the planet's rulers, hearing that Eldari are killing citizens, went, oh, it's those Drukhari again, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should get a retributive strike doing, uh, Tempesta Science drop in and kill a bunch of them, uh, as the Spirit Seer is trying to parley with them. Because, you know, at this point in Imperial Law, like, 
Gilliman's been brought back with the aid of the Eldari. The Imperium is still very intolerant of them, but open to the idea of we probably shouldn't kill Eldari Eldari on site. Yeah, that's right. Drukari, yep. yes. Um, but mistaken, mistaken for Drukari, they all get gunned down except for the spirits here who, with a couple of survivors, drag, sort of drags all the spirit stones back through the webway, slams them into some wraith knights and wraith guard and comes back, you know, set on vengeance. He raises the dead. This is the raise the dead box, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, basically, he, he decides it's, it's no point just taking out the scions who killed all my buddies. I need to deal with the people who ordered this. I'm going to take out the Aquilarian Council, not knowing that the council had just been disbanded by <laughs> Marnius Kalgar. Uh, so he moves fast, infiltrates Saint's Haven, where Marnius Kalgar's brand new government is has just been put in place. Uh, but Kalgar's smart. He realizes you need guards for this thing. So he set a lieutenant and some trusted troops to sort of safeguard this brand new council of chapter masters. Uh, and, you know, the, the lieutenant is pretty open about it. He understands Gilliman was saved by the Eldari, etc., etc. So he's like, can we just talk about this? And <laughs> all the Wraith Guard and the Spirit Seer is like, no, we're going to kill all of you, actually. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's like, yeah, I'm getting vengeance. I'm going to get through you. I'm going to kill that council of despicable humans. Uh, and then four chapter masters walk out of the council room <laughs> fully armed. Um, <laughs> and he is forced to retreat, uh, unable to get his vengeance, of course. Uh, it's, it's a bit nice. awkward. Yeah. yeah. Indeedy. Alrighty. So, yeah, that's what's been going on that end. And, right, let's switch back to Dontoria, uh, everyone's mm-hmm. favourite overpopulated place. Um, <laughs> so, basically, the as we said a bit about how overpopulated it is, the council were quite slow to react to what was happening in Dontoria, mm. really, because they It's were, just the flu. They're like, yeah, don't worry. There's plenty of them anyway. It's not important. Are they giving us water? No. All they're doing is taking (laughs) valuable space up with all the many people Mm -hmm. they've got there. So they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's not important. Um, Which basically, but then they realized that things, okay, weren't as unimportant or important as they first thought. So they basically end up summoning rogue trader uh, Delaric du Languil for answers. Mm. What a name. Um, Because... I'm going to put, yeah, Du Languil had, you know, mm. sort of a bit of experience with what was going on here. So she basically explained the situation to the council, saying, look, you know, the Galapox are here. This situation's just going to get worse. I've seen what the Galapox does when it's out, you know, out in space, basically. Uh, so one, again, once they realized what the situation was, the Vigilus Senate ordered the uh, Necropolis Hawks, which is one of the newer Primaris chapters, uh, under Chapter Master Requilon Zan. Zandus or Zantus uh, to basically take on the Galapox infected and the Crimson Fists who are being led by Brother Captain Hernandez uh, to contain or help the Iron Hands contain the plague. So when the uh, the Necropolis Hawks uh, went down, they basically found loads of mutants with hulks with like flame flame breaths and some mm. were a combination of flesh and metal which is what cameron was explaining earlier with like distended skulls and, and basically they were yeah. hard very hard and tough to deal with as per anything that's you know connected with nurgle uh so luckily the necropolis hawks are very very much a specialist force when dealing with city fighting so which is which i think is quite cool actually that you know that these 
you know primaris only chapters that are starting to appear mm. appear have like different specializations they're not sort of just generic chapters so yeah, yeah. like i said they specialize in city fighting so you know so you know managed to overpower the particular galaplox mutants that they were they're dealing with at the time um you know at this point also they called in land raider redeemers of the crimson fists and the hellhounds of the vigilous guard uh were basically used to create a literal firewall as, <laughs> as it as it's called uh to basically contain the plague even if it basically meant that hundreds of thousands of people would die um they literally just like i said just trapped them in but they thought you know if it stops the plague getting out that's what we got to do unfortunately um at this point minus kalgar gave this situation he's basically his highest priority as they were used to dealing with the Death Guard as, you know, as a part of like Plague Wars and all the other mm. novels like that. They're used to dealing with the Death Guard and they know the consequences of, you know, if you leave the Death Guard just to crack on by uh, yeah. spreading their, their you know, pollution and pestilence. Um, this also led to another situation which got known as the race for the uh, the Mandeville point. So basically the uh, particular psyker that was part of the Rogue Traders uh, crew basically saw a vision of doom uh, from Dontaria to to basically to terror to holy terror itself mm. and you know basically took it seriously like you know, i saw this vision that you know there's something bad's going to happen from from dontoria all the way like i said to terror so basically using her particular contacts uh she realized you know the road trader basically realized that the quarantine had been breached um because at this point no one or no thing was allowed out uh but mm. basically a particular ship named the illustrious cargo <laughs> which is a <laughs> great name for it basically managed to leave before the quarantine uh which obviously meant that possibly carrying infected to the mandeville point uh, basically the mandeville point is a, 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 a position where that the you can basically warp travel without the gravity or planet or, or the local star making any difference so it's like basically mm. a quick way of getting out of there uh the freighter that, that, that called the illustrious cargo basically could go could end up going for the Dav- the uh, Daravor system which then obviously would lead down the gauntlet and then obviously lead to terror itself and obviously she's mm-hmm. like wow this cannot happen <laughs> this yeah. would lead to a bad situation so basically uh she basically thought oh, well how are we going to get to them they're miles ahead of us you know all the ships we've got are too slow so basically they ended up taking uh a basically what's a glorified pleasure ship i didn't have any uh, armaments or anything with it uh called the messenger so they basically it was the only thing that would be able to catch up with the illustrious cargo uh mm-hmm. they basically ended up boarding the uh the cargo with you know with the the rogue trader team and agents um not much is known about what actually happened on the illustrious cargo Mm. all we know is that the rogue trader ended up surviving uh ended up she managed to somehow get herself back to vigilus she ended up debriefing marnie's calgar about what happened uh and that ultimately the freighter was destroyed unfortunately as we there's always there always seems to be an unfortunately with every situation yeah. on Vigilus, and unfortunately <laughs> that even though she had you know some, some, somehow managed to take out the illustrious cargo they just they got news that basically three other freighters had left prior to the cargo disappearing so mm. who knows what's going to happen well. with that oh <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> yeah yeah but there could yeah. be hope though cameron there, there could, could be hope, hope yet um, so things are looking pretty bad, you know, uh, Grottolov, the Grottolov subsprawl in Dontoria is, uh, basically drowning in Galapox, and its main source of water, Lake Dontor, which supplies most of that hive, um, is being very heavily guarded, but it is clearly what they're going to go for next. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, so water's getting tight, uh, but it's not the only thing that's sort of getting hard to find. Uh, Mortwald, which is the 
uh, the sort of the production uh, continent that produced most of the planet's food and medicine uh, was not really producing much food or medicine anymore. Uh, essentially, uh, the governor's brother, Danos Agamemnish, that name, uh, who runs Mortwald, <laughs> has decided, as long as I'm safe, it doesn't matter. Uh, and so <laughs> yeah, has put yeah. everything into defending <laughs> Mortwald. Um, you know, he's gotten, uh, he's gotten troops from the Indican Prefects, the Loka Prime Sandsman, the Ventrillian Nobles, the Vostroian Firstborn, and even some, uh, late Cadian shock troops. Uh, all of whom are very happy to fight ground actions against orcs instead of trying to root out Death Guard in the sewers. Um, <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Uh, when the force field there goes down, the orcs make a headlong assault, and the guard do their best to basically push back. So again, this is this is the hive continent that has a whole defense line of trenches around it, as well as force field, so they're able to properly defend instead of it just immediately being overrun, which is nice for them. <laughs> uh, basically, the big thing, because there's so many trenches, the orc vehicles actually slow down as soon as they hit the first line, which lets the guard pepper them with las cannons and missiles, and then they send ogrens in to push all the debris in front of the trench to form a barricade, and they just keep doing this to keep the defenses up effectively. Um, you know, the military hold fast, but the orcs, you know, break through several times, etc., etc. Uh, but finally, reinforcements show up. It's the Imperial Fists. Hey, it's hey. the Christmas Battle Force. It's the Imperial Fists Force. <laughs> no, it literally is. They showed yeah, up. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and sort of, uh, the sight of literally hundreds of Imperial Fists, many of them Primaris, obviously, uh, sort of striding forwards through enemy fire, not giving not giving a damn about getting shot, uh, really, really ups morale. Uh, and the, the, uh, the Imperial Fist captain of the fifth company is there and puts basically his siege mastery works together, uh, puts up all these overlapping defense patterns, just letting, letting orcs effectively get mowed down even more efficiently than before. Um, Let's see. And, but, you know, there are a couple of, there are a couple of problems. Uh, the orcs occasionally deploy stompers, which the Imperials have no counter to in this particular area of Vigilus. So they just have to concede to higher ground and try and muster counterattacks. But eventually the Imperial Knights arrive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there are free blades from Daravar as well as other knightly houses who show up. And that's, this is sort of the first glimmer of hope for, uh, Mortwald in particular. And, you know, if Mortwald's fine, everyone else at least has food. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a good point. So, yeah, the knights have turned up. The knights of House Terran have, are here to uh, take it to the orcs. So, basically, they want to end up doing a... Well, they wanted to do a frontal assault on the orcs uh, to basically take yeah. out their stompers because they don't really get any pride from killing infantry. It's like, we're knights, who mm. cares about infantry? Um, basically, this worried Captain Fane of the Imperial Fists, because he's like, well... Because, you know, even to the point he ended up looking in the, the head noble's eyes, which is a, a noble by the name of Joran Vanak Limptus. Um, and they were like, they're thinking, were they just trying to deal with the situation? Like... Night, like the nightmares that they, that the particular Empiricists have been dealing with previously when mm. they dealt with what was known as the Zinch Mind Claw Coven and couldn't handle it. You know, they were sort of a bit, you know, he's a bit sort of concerned why the nobles are just trying to rush in because that's not mm. sort of the way they would want to do things. So, but ultimately, um, Dinos Agamemnus really didn't care, like whatever, mm. you know, I don't care about that side of stuff. That's just a 
by the by uh just i'm you know i'm just happy to have the support you know of you you mm. lovely knights uh but basically he 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 ordered the knights to hold back when you know which they sort of grudgingly accepted um because you know they did point out that you know as your duty so that you've got this duty to the people of Mortwald, you know so hold back don't go charging in uh so basically initially the i said the orc attacks were repelled back but what they noticed is that every time the orcs were coming back they were bringing larger and larger war machines to the fight (laughs) to the point where they're bringing machines that were bigger than knights and titans (laughs) which obviously started to panic the imperial forces Mm. naturally um so obviously fane realized this and thought right and he, you know, we can't hold back anymore. So basically, he ordered the knights to charge forward into into legend. Go take <laughs> it to the orcs, uh, and obviously, predominantly to take out the orc factories. Thinking, well, if we take out the orc factories, they're not going to build any more of these stupidly large war machines that are <laughs> starting to threaten us. Um, this led to what's known as the Battle of Tanker Spill, uh, which is basically a, one of the many orc scrap cities. Uh, basically, it was attacked to the imperial's advantage by it was basically attacked using the cover of a, of the dust storm that was around there uh they basically attacked the orcs before they knew what was happening uh basically fane ordered the free blades to resupply uh, after they you know taken out these particular factories but they decided to ignore this command uh, and basically pressed mm-hmm. on to the next scrap city um which obviously led to them taking out thousands of orcs but they ended up getting surrounded at this point mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. which is not very cool indeed. <laughs> no, no. Na- naughty knights. <laughs> You've mm, gone too nights. far. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Ah, right. right. Um, meanwhile, in Mega Borealis, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fabricator Vosh and the Iron Hands are doing pretty well together. They are sort of actually taking control of the hive again, district by district. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. They're, yeah, they're being pretty effective. Uh, the pauper princes are sort of being hunted in a grid pattern, effectively, and being forced continually to fall back. Except for one exception. <laughs> uh, around the Stygian spires and the Greater Omniscian hoist, uh, the icons of the Genesial cults are still raised high. They're still in, in charge of the one most important thing in the area, the space elevator. God, I love the adaptation. Oh, that is brilliant, isn't it? What a great <laughs> term. thing is. It reminds me of, um, I think it's Transformers because I was, mm. I, I spent some of my, uh, and I'm going on a slight tangent here. I, I spent some <laughs> of my Christmas break watching some of the the original Transformer cartoons because I dug out my old DVD collection, and they've got something like that, like a space elevator between Earth and Cybertron, mm. like a literally you can beam you know one to the other. It's not quite the same, but. That is what is in my head <laughs> when, it was when I read this. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, they they are laying siege to the massive edifice that is the uh, the spire that forms the base of the space elevator, and they are keeping control of that district and trapping uh, a lot of the mechanics with mechanics within, and importantly, keeping a stranglehold on their water supply because obviously they use this to bring down icy asteroids to get their water. Um, and the Primus leading this particular sect is a rationalist, not a fanatic, and so he knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows exactly what he needs to do, which is he needs to go visit good old Grandpappy, uh, and so he goes, <laughs> he goes with his Magus and actually wakes up Grandsire Worm, uh, because Grandsire Worm lives under Mega Borealis, he's in the right location, uh, and uses his Magus to essentially get an idea across, because obviously the Patriarch doesn't actually speak because it's just no. a big gene stealer. Uh, but you can speak to him psychically. 
Yeah, uh, and eventually, yeah, and eventually he gets, uh, he, the patriarch is convinced, uh, that this is the correct path forwards, uh, leaves his, leaves his hold, which, ooh, uh, the patriarchs are coming, um, and within a single day, the entire sort of underlevels of the spire is filled with gene stealers. They came from literally all over the continent and beyond. They came from like other areas, uh, <laughs> as well as a lot of cultists. And basically what happened is all these, this new influx of cultists into the area laid siege more fiercely than ever to the base of the spire while the patriarch cut open water pumps and sent gene stealers into them. Uh, because gene stealers are fantastic for one thing, they can fit into really enclosed spaces that should be, you know, barely, a child could barely fit in, but a gene yeah, stealer yeah. as big as a space marine manages to like, you know, pop its, pop its, uh, shoulder sockets out and, you know, <laughs> climb through them. Uh, and they climb for three, uh, not three full days, no, just a, just a full day, cause they're actually pretty quick. Um, they climb upwards in the, against the flow of the water for a full day until they pop out on the top level of the spire. And so what happens is the Adeptus Mechanicus within the spire are being sieged from ground level by all these cultists, and then a pack of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of gene stealers just sweeps from the upper levels and goes systematically, level by level, kills everything in the entire spire, effectively. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nice. all the water farms get destroyed, uh, and after three days... There's not a single Mechanicus left standing in this in the uh, in the Stygi Spire. No. Uh, also, uh, the Mechanicus's other water supply, which is the mining operation in the Polar Ice Cap, uh, gets destroyed by the Drukari, who instead of doing it themselves, take advantage of the natural predators, which are horse-sized praying mantises. <laughs> uh, they they just herd them into the quarry and watch them destroy everything, which is nice, wonderful. Um, <laughs> Cool. Right. Well, let's go back to uh, Captain Fane and the uh, the knights. So, right. So, basically, as we know, the knights have decided to push on, but being very naughty and not supposing really should be doing that. But Fane thought, you know what? I'm going to take full advantage of this knight charge. You know, despite its pretend, you know, potential impending failure. Uh, and basically, he ended up communicating to all the other Space Marine. Uh, captains so he quickly whipped up the other space marine forces that were nearby uh they quickly responded including the white scars who were under a particular marine under the name of uh Ulajin khan and the raven wing were also nearby and they basically ran straight for these scrap cities uh so as you can imagine there's a lot of heavy artillery and they've been you know they've been basically taking out the astra militarum units and tanks mm. for uh you know, for for a while and, and take him out very easily. And now this fire was basically now being concentrated on the free blades instead, because obviously they were the greatest threat to the orcs at this point. Uh, so yeah. Khan used yeah. this to target the orc blind spots with the Raven Wing. So this, so they basically circled around them to the back, uh, and basically many orcs were taken out. But obviously, the only sort of downside to this now is that the knights were pretty much destroyed from because they literally just couldn't take yeah. that yeah. much heavy artillery on them uh, due to time. Uh, Khan had to press on for the the can factories of the orcs, uh, but unfortunately become bogged down with 
the sheer orc numbers at this point. Uh, and obviously, because the orcs were dealing with two forces, i.e. the, the White Scars and the Ravenwing, they, as we know about orcs, they get more furious when they <laughs> them to do more fighting. So it was made, you know, it made it really getting bogged down into this sort of warfare. Uh, and then suddenly, the Ravenwing decide to disengage completely from this mm. fight uh, to head for yeah. the Vulian Swirl. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't tell Khan why at this point. Uh, and obviously, knowing that he was already bogged down anyway, and now the Ravenwing has left, they decided that, thought, right, okay, we got to retreat. And I'm going to have some serious words with the, the Ravenwing when I get hold of them, because <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> but just to yeah. add to this mix, you know, because, uh, you know, things have been going so great at this point, um, a new <laughs> Doom arrives at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, slightly before the new Doom, hey, you remember Dirkton that was completely taken over by the Gene Stealer Colts? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, Marnius Calga went, hey, we really can't, we really can't help that place, just just leave it. <laughs> just, just cut it off, uh, which was an effective strategy. As soon as yeah. all of the Imperial forces pulled out, the Orcs assaulting it immediately started fighting the Gene Stealer Colts instead. Um, however, this did kind of leave tens of millions of civilians cut off, um, and it fell to the Crimson Fists to hold the cordon and prevent them leaving effectively, uh, because, you know, the place was so filled with Gene Stealer cultists that it was ridiculous to let anyone through, because honestly, half of them were probably cultists. Uh, so the Crimson <laughs> Fists are holding the line, uh, Gene Stealer insurgents in the crowd disguised as refugees start throwing rocks and assaulting the Marines effectively, and... The Crimson Fists eventually lose their cool and slaughter the entire crowd, um, <laughs> which is an indelible blemish on the honor of the chapter, uh, especially is. because they eventually actually had to fall back from that position because the Gene Stealer cultists were coming on too yeah. strong and attacking with too many <laughs> with too many forces. But Calgar was like, "No, no, listen, it's it's bad, but you did have to do that." Yeah. Um. But yeah, no things get uh, things get worse from that. <laughs> amazingly. <laughs> Um, you know, this, the Vigilist Senate led by Calgar is making all these uncom uncompromising strategic decisions, but the citizenry is like, yeah, no, it's it's for the best. They're, they're doing good. We are actually beginning to push back and take control of the planet again. Uh, but things are going weird. Like, there's ghosts on the radio. The Vox is acting up. There are all kinds of unsettling omens. Um, the sky around the Great Rift is actually turning black like a rotting wound. Uh, Auspex readings focus on it can't turn out. Uh, can't figure out what something is because there's this brief glowing spear of light that just plunges to the ground at one point and no one's able to discern what that weird phenomenon was. <laughs> um, the Ancients of Zinch in Storval, however, hey, remember those guys did recognize hey. what it was. It's the first sign of the proper chaos invasion. Hooray! <laughs> um, all the Psycho Prophets are saying that their readings of the Emperor's Tarot are turning up three cards over and over. The Demon Blade, the Herald of Darkness, and the Knight of the Abyss. Uh, there are rumors of these weird bat-winged figures in the upper hive spires and things like that. Um, you know, the gun nests in the upper hives are sometimes empty. Some people are like, nah, there's dragons, man, <laughs> up in the hives. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, and the Astra Militarum that go to investigate don't come back, but, uh, reports show that, you know, there are all these blackened bodies and mangled corpses across the steeples and roofs of each of the spires. Uh, and Marnie Iskalga takes this pretty seriously because he goes, it's definitely not the orcs because their bombers are kind of really obvious. We would have noticed that 
for sure. <laughs> uh, it's not the Eldari because they're focused on taking slaves or killing random citizens, obviously. And it's not the Gene Stealers because honestly, why would they go up there? There's no strategic point for them to just stay up on the top of the spires and not do anything. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you remember that curfew where you're not allowed to look up at night? That <laughs> yeah. was a really bad idea because that did apply to all of the defenders as well. Um, no one looked up, which is awkward when um basically you know spoilers a force of raptors led by a raptor chaos lord is just <laughs> roosting in the top levels of the city with a few heldrakes for good measure. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, people who are suffering nightmares are speaking in their sleep in tongues. Uh, and eventually, and, and eventually an auto malice inquisitor translates it as the dark tongue of chaos. And over time, every, figures out everyone's chanting one phrase, the dark king is coming. Ooh. Yes. Good. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's eventually re- revealed that, yeah, Harkin world claim is here, uh, as he patches himself into worldwide Vox communications and basically says, it's going to be really bad. Kneel or burn. <laughs> yeah, basically. This, pl- um, yeah, the planet belongs to Abaddon. The spoiler, he'll be here soon to claim it in person. Hey, Abaddon's coming March. 5th. Yeah, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice indeed. It's the so, rise yeah. of chaos. That's it. The chaos boys are here. So this ends up with you know hell drake demon engines bursting through the senate meeting that they were having you know having a cup of tea and all that um which ends up having a cup of tea and a dragon falls through the yeah yeah. oh how inconvenient (laughs) okay i didn't get a chance to finish my biscuit um Mm. and (laughs) ends up taking out some of the primaris guard with you know ends up with calgar and his victrix uh honor guard fighting back here which ends up turning into an aerial battle which luckily with the hell drake getting taken down um that switches to uh, Kalax Bane, like I said, there's that vital area due to its water. You had a situation where like seven uh, guard companies fought from Otec to here. Uh, they had a short respite, but then they end up getting attacked by the Drukari and the Thousand mm. Sons aside from the, the oh, well, Thousand Sons of the Black Legion decide to turn up mm. uh, just to mix it up. So they have to deal with a lot of rubric marines. Uh, these are these particular Imperials are led by Lord Commissar uh, Barthold Dorst, uh, which ends up basically with his tanks uh, being charged by the Thousand Sons, but most tanks were taken out. Um, if we switch to Mortwald at this point, uh, the rulers mm-hmm. have locked themselves away with the water and food supply for months, basically draining <laughs> literally the lives of the workers that are out there, uh, which mm-hmm. obviously naturally leads to rebellion. Um, like I said, the the uh, the Voxcoms are inconsistent anyway due to the Great Rift, yeah. and like I said, the whispers of atrocities are starting to be heard, breaking down the uh, the guard forces, and and then ultimately they they just decided to stop using long range comms because it just wasn't worth it. It was breaking them too much, for, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. psychologically. But um, like I said, the worst was like I said to come. Uh, like I said, the Raptors, like I said, Cameron mentioned, uh, thousands descended from the sky. Uh, onto the various hive sprawls, wiping out dynasties overnight, uh, you know, like I said, ready for uh, Abaddon to uh, arrive. Um, and basically nowhere's, you know, nowhere's safe. Uh, mm. You know, the Necropolis Hawks, the Ultramarines, and the Ravenwing end up teaming up to take on the Raptors. Um, you know, and obviously you've got the Orcs and Gene Stillers down on the ground. Um, so yeah, yeah. that is basically what's happening on Vigilus at this point. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is the story so far. Uh, we've yeah. still got a lot 
a lot more extra information to go to, like, specific areas, so... Yes. Let's jump so, into that with War Zones. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, basically, Vigilus has always been seen as this bastion of sanity and order. It's one of the 100 most important worlds around the Cadian Gate. It's always been really well-ruled. It's always produced its tithes on time. The second it got attacked, everything fell apart, which is <laughs> awful. Um, <laughs> you know, Gene Steeler Colts underground, Orcs overground... Uh, the scourge of chaos coming from the su- from the skies is really an attack on literally every level of the planet. Uh, now, the real problem is because all of these... Because Vigilus is such an awful place to live. It's a really difficult planet to live on. All of these hive sprawls were dependent on each other for at least one resource. You know, Dontoria needed food, but it had its own water. Megaborealis had all of its own power and energy, but needed food and water, things like that, etc., etc. Um, and so as soon as one hive stopped functioning, things got really tight across the entire planet in terms of resources. Um, and, you know, as long as the supply lines were there, it was fine. But when orcs are roaming the wastelands and gene sealer cults are hijacking, you know, armored transports and raptors <laughs> are falling out of the sky to take out air transports... Uh, suddenly things get really grim. Uh, and you know, it's kind of a microcosm of the Imperium as a whole. Yeah, uh, you definitely. know, communications are being cut off. Things are getting difficult. It's hard to marshal forces effectively, even with, you know, this, this shining beacon of tactical integrity, Marnius Kalgar leading things. Even he's having a lot of trouble coordinating the defense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's take a close look at what, at the, uh, the most important of the high schools. Obviously, it's the capital city. Let's look <laughs> at, uh, Hyperia. Yeah. That's me, isn't it? Yes. I double-checked double my notes. Hold on. Um, yeah, so Hyperia is sort of the stronghold of the Agamemnus dynasty. That's the uh, that's the planetary governor, for those who've forgotten. Uh, and also the Ministorum. They sort of form this central spire called Saint's Haven, uh, which is really well defended. It's surrounded by a chasm called the Ring of Nothingness, which <laughs> is apparently name? just a bottomless pit into the planetary core. Um <laughs> <laughs> Over time, the uh, the Ministerium of the Church went from being sort of this loose confederation to a full-on military force that basically controlled the entire hive. Um, there are the industrial conclaves, which are a maze of factories that pr- that produce a lot of the uh, war material. The negation district district is sort of a neutral ground for the factions to debate. This is sort of where the councils took place, etc. Um, when the Great Rift split the sky, however, it sort of became a slum pretty quickly people went it's not safe here we'll talk in the spires <laughs> um there are the twin chasms an area which is sort of mined for amethysts uh there's sanctifi ultima a giant spiral tipped hive surrounded by manufactorums that brew amaranthic which is a kind of liquor um and it's really awful actually because the process makes these baleful baleful pink clouds that carry over the hive and cut people's lives very short because you're basically breathing in alcohol your entire life. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> oh, it's lovely for like the first 10 years, and then it gets yes. really bad yeah. for your lungs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the macro yard in the northeast is basically an area where reclaimed spaceships are stripped for parts and then recommissioned. Uh, it's very well defended, but uh, <laughs> it's also very close to where a Death Skull fortress sort of landed uh, as soon as the... As soon as the more opened, uh, Stormboss Stamp Skull. Which <laughs> these names continue to be amazing. They do. Um, yeah. 
yeah, uh, eventually a nearby site, uh, ferrying munitions was overrun by, uh, another mob of orcs. And, you know, this is it's alligated. There's a feud between, uh, the two commanders of the different areas that led to this. Um, Martyr's Pyre, the Hubbard on Subsprawl and the Tridine Plateau, uh, sort of just civilian areas that were held fast for most of the war. Actually, they were generally the safest place in the entire, in the entire continent, uh, and they managed also to keep a highway open that let the Imperial Guard and Sisters of Battle redeploy at speed across those sections of the hive. Mm-hmm. Um, the southernmost point of Hyperia is the Cape of Lost Causes, uh, which kind of became a stronghold for Gene Seal occult elements that bled in through the Dirk Den uh, Fort Wall link. Uh, the Brazen Claws did a Scorch and Scramble program over there, but it was still in enemy hands when the Ultramarines arrived and uh, the Eldari skirmish of wake the dead uh that really messed that area up it certainly did so, <laughs> yeah yeah uh so tell me about mega borealis mega borealis we've mentioned it a few times the the mm. continent of tectonic plates and volcanoes quite a toasty little area uh, <laughs> uh, quite appropriate for the adeptus mechanicus actually so um this all started through the, what's known as the uh, the pact of fire and steel i love that name mm-hmm. uh so basically it's a treaty for that happened over a thousand years prior to what's happening now on vigilus uh basically between the adeptus mechanicus uh of the uh, stygies uh, eight and the governor at the time um so effectively this led to basically the admec owning mega borealis on the basis mm. that the Admet came along with their technology, i.e., like the, uh, the the Psi Force fields and things like that, to basically, you know, help defend the planet. So, if you help defend the planet with you and bring your tech, you can have this particular part of the planet. So mm-hmm. that's how it's been. Uh, and this particular interest to the Admet for Mega Borealis, why they want to be there, um, and this is what's called the Black Levels. So basically, they there's layers underground uh, that are mined of its blackstone veins, uh, along with obviously other materials as well. Uh, millions of workers die through this whole process. Uh, not that they mm. seem to probably care about that, um, you know. So you've got many <laughs> clans and cities of various different miners down there that have probably never seen the light of day. Uh, this obviously led to an offshoot of the Pauper Princes because they seem to get involved in everything <laughs> which started here. Uh, so beneath Hive uh, Actar Tertius, uh, the the Gene Stealer cult started with a single Gene Stealer, uh, which came off a harvested uh, asteroid, unfortunately, oh, uh, for them. Uh, and to the point that sometimes even grandsire worm often nests there as well. So basically mm. using his influence, it you know, turned many of the minor workers you know, towards the, the side of the pauper princes, hidden away from all the various te- tech priests that are there. Uh, and basically they used this time to basically stock up on supplies uh, ready mm. to be unleashed. Um, yeah. So one of the prevalent things about Mega Borealis is the what's known as the boar hive. So these are these basically these huge drill engines that are launched from space mm. like harpoons, which sound great, cool. uh, that basically end up <laughs> drilling into the crust. Uh, so as you can imagine, this has changed the whole landscape of the planet because they've set off volcanoes and you know tectonic mm. plates and all that. Uh, this was known as the, the Day of the Omnisire's Claw. Uh, and <laughs> basically, you know, through all these different... Uh, bore hives they built up with thousands of layers and levels and shrines and mm. foundries and things like that and basically they end up being so tall that they merge with the space docks uh, you know above the planet mm. which i think you uh said earlier so uh yeah, yeah, yeah. they've uh they've had their say there so uh mm. let's travel to mortwald 
Yeah, um, most of Mortwald uh, was given over to the cultivation of hyperflora, uh, mostly giant cactuses. Uh, and initially, this was actually done to help keep the air clean uh, as sort of like an, an atmosphere-scrubbing, industrial-scale thing to counteract the fact that all the Mechanicus are filling everything with smoke and dust. Um <laughs> And, you know, for a while it worked, but as all the other hives grew up, it kind of got outstripped and the general atmosphere of Vigilus just fell into horrific pollution. <laughs> um, uh, there are areas of Megaborealis that are quite beautiful. Uh, there are these beautiful sort of secluded enclaves for all the rich and wealthy to live in. Uh, and in particular, this is where uh, Danos Agamemnus, the uh, brother to the governor, uh, lives and has a life of unalloyed luxury. He is in particular a collector of devastating archaeotech weapons and owns no fewer than six death strike missiles as part of his private collection um it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool lucky him yeah <laughs> lucky him uh he is actually quite suspicious of the mechanicus probably because he's hoarding so much valuable technology <laughs> True, yeah. uh and that's why he actually built this massive uh network of trenches around mortwald which turned out to be very invaluable mm. um and also, is in addition to, you know, producing food, water, clean air, and having a whole bunch of missiles in the middle of it for no particular <laughs> reason, um, before the days of the Great Rift, Mortwald was known as sort of a fabulous paradise continent for the rich and wealthy to visit for really intense rejuvenate treatment, which is what they do to um, basically live much longer than normal. Yeah. They strip away 50, 60 years of aging and start fresh. Um, and, you know, they can go really crazy out there. Like, for people who are beyond most normal treatments, they could do things like cut your head off and stick it on a fresh new body. Lovely. Um, yeah. Sign me uh, up. So that was, yeah, yeah, sounds great. Um, <laughs> so let's travel over to Otec. Otec, as Going we know, fast. this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time against us uh so no yeah, yeah otec is as we said is known for its what being you know the predominant part of the uh the water supply it's got five huge reservoirs uh which are known as the hollows which is gregan uh mr dren trevig Ostavir and Agamemnus, uh, and obviously mm -hmm. the main source of water. Uh, they have limited height buildings to basically avoid tectonic damage from mining uh, that goes on in Mega Borealis that we mentioned a minute ago. Um, basically, yep. the hollows basically pump water from under the crust. Uh, because they lie, basically, it's a load of like inland seas. Uh, so basically, they pump water to the outer reaches. Waste is sent back in return to be recycled. Uh, some pure water is is transported under armed guards uh, such as hellhounds mm. carrying you know tanks of water so that the crew don't get dehydrated on the way um talking about agamemnus this is the known as the hyperia's water backup basically so various areas mm. like the arrow the arrow forest hive belt which is basically a cluster of hives um it's most coveted is the uh, turin's bane data hives which is basically full of predated imperial imperial data uh and this was used to negotiate the deal i the pact of uh, fire and steel uh with the admech all those years ago and basically the agreement is for the priests to never access it alone but don't tell anyone mm. they seem to be doing it anyway <laughs> 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 so that's what's going on in otec let's switch to uh, yeah. kalax bane yeah so we're getting really cold really fast this is the polar ice cap uh predominantly inhabited by the adeptus mechanicus uh, used basically as an enormous quarry to get fresh glacial water by cutting out these massive cubes of ice and sort of, you know, shipping them across Vigilus and then, you know, melting them down. 
Um, they use <laughs> las nets, which is really interesting. They're basically like a grid of lasers to cut the ice. Uh, but they also, they don't harvest just ice. They, there are also like many valuable minerals and ores, uh, hidden beneath the ices. Um, so the Oedipus Mechanicus, of course, started digging here as well. As <laughs> <laughs> sort of eventually destroyed it to the point where it's just nothing more than a landscape of endless crevasses and punishing cold, uh, filled with things like truck-sized ice stalker mantids dragging people away and white worms, which are these little burrowing worms that are almost impossible to see and they just dig into the flesh of people who are too late to get away from them. Uh, of course, the Drukhari love to raid around here as well because in the middle of Calex Bane is just a webway gate, um, mm-hmm. which... Did not go unnoticed that the Death Watch did show up and sort of cordon off 1,800 square kilometers and says, this is, uh, what was the term? Quarantine cryo furnace. (laughs) No one's allowed in here except us. We'll tell, we'll tell Manis Kalga what's going on, but no one else is allowed to know what's in here. (laughs) So now the webway gate. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, and then we have those famous new additions to Vigilus, the Scrap City. Oh, beautiful places given to us Mm. by the orcs. Yeah, so like I said earlier, when the orcs arrived from space, most ships aimed for the wilderness to basically set up camp. Uh, Speed Lord Cool uh, Cruel Dracker, Cruel Dracker, Cruel Dacker, uh, <laughs> and others realised attacking the cities directly wouldn't go so well. So basically, attacked the wastes instead, or sorry, attacked from the wastes. Uh, also, good, basically, a good excuse to test out their new vehicles because why not? Mm. Um, the Speedwar was created after the orcs set up camp you know, by the force fields, attacking, you know, the locals and scrapping where they could. Uh, There's basically the Western Scrap City Cluster. Uh, Most of the Orcs landed north of Otec, so there's basically four cities built, including uh, Fort Dacca, and then, which is where uh, Cruel Dracca is, and the other three of the Orc leaders are there as well. Uh, You've got Tanker Mm -hmm. Spill, which is run by Mech Boss Big Tanker, known for his is slick for its slicks of black chemicals and fuel etc you've got the runt hive which is mm. the uh, the grot scrap merchants and and squigs <laughs> under snake bite war boss Ogrok Bite Spider. Uh, you've got Drogzot's Crater, which is a Death Skull horde boss and loads of bad moons basically filling the crater full of scrap. And then you've got Fort Dacca, <laughs> which like I said is full of basically full of guns and lots of artillery. Um you got the lovely Scum Town, which is a goth city <laughs> with dry bone structures. You got the the uh, Wheel Hub, which is basically drive by upgrades if your vehicle so wants that. Uh, you got uh, Ruttuck's uh, Mech Maze, uh, which is basically for racers, but uh, they often lose, uh, end up losing their mm. vehicle and often their teeth. Uh, there's Mech Stop City, which is the home to uh, to Drock and the, his Rivet crew, which is basically <laughs> uh, <laughs> in charge of doing like customizations on vehicles. Uh, and lastly, you've got Hurricane Wreck, uh, which is basically <laughs> used to be a settlement, but unfortunately got taken out by a storm, hence the name. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, uh, should we go to the moon and back? Yeah, uh, so Neovellum is the moon of Vigilus, uh, and it is sort of an administratum data hub, effectively. It's got all these anim- these amazing acid swamps and emerald gas storms. No one looks at them, they're all hermetically sealed in their administratum buildings, <laughs> uh, literally chained to their desks, making sure they fill out reports, you know, on data slates, scrolls, and data cylinders. Not many of these actually get where they're meant to be going, but uh, the scribes don't care. The ink must flow. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Now, interestingly enough, the main way for getting messages from Neovellum down to the people who needed them vigilous was to put them in a little packet 
fit it with a grav chute and then fire them down to the planet by a pneumatic tube. Um, <laughs> there's this weird clockwork machine called the data saint where you put in someone's name and rough location and it calculates exactly how it needs to shoot the message to get it to <laughs> land just next to them. But it's really, really old. And so it's not actually very good. Most of the, most of the messages are sort of off course and never reach their targets. Sometimes the graph shoots don't, uh, deploy properly. Uh, in one famous case, the message was perfectly on target and traveling so fast that it killed the intended recipient instantly. <laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> Luckily enough, the tube itself was also destroyed by the impact and the administratum denies all, all association with the incident, basically. Um, <laughs> Uh, they have their own lunar choir of astropaths, uh, that were apparently famous for their, like, their ability to send very clear messages. Uh, of course, after the Great Rift opened, that kind of all went pear-shaped. Uh, everyone had seizures, fits, and episodes, and they basically shut down the astropathic choir in all but the most dire of circumstances. Uh, and the Gene Stealers got there too. Uh, because they, they went, hey, that's really important that we get a cult up there. Um, and they managed to get a couple of uh, pure strange gene stealers up there on the ship Zealous Blurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Using forgery, charisma, and murder- murderous determination, um, the Primus managed to smuggle a container full of gene stealers into Neovellum and the other one into the Stormrack Citadel, which is another one of the, uh, major scribe areas. And two little, uh, two little sects of gene stealer cults sprang up. Uh, but one of the Quill Slaves narrowly escaped a Gene Stealer attack, sent an anonymous message to the Inquisition, and got them all purged. The end. Hooray. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So, uh, tell me tell me a little bit, bit about the general landscape. Tell me about the Wastes. Yes, this summarises a uh, a lot of Vigilus. Uh, basically, the Wastes were empty apart from the remains of fools that tried to conquer it. Uh, it's got the no greenery, barely any water content, difficult to grow crops on, lava rivers. It's basically a big dust bowl so not the nicest of mm. place but then it's called the waste yeah. so to be expected uh you've got some craters though that did that did produce a an ecosystem uh similar to mm. that of a coral reef type ecosystem uh near storval you've got these lovely clawed giant ambles they sound familiar mm. uh ambles uh which basically hunt travelers and tunneled and attacked from below to basically avoid the local Skatari sensors. Um, and also you've got uh, Terrestine mole rats, which grew huge, basically <laughs> the size of train carriages. Um, God. Because they were so busy eating giant sand roaches, um, which is basically <laughs> the only other creature that can survive in those uh, in yeah. the wastes. Yeah. Uh, so wow. you've got these huge hairless creatures attacking humans. Uh, but mm. but weirdly enough, not attacking the pauper princes, sensing their Ooh. DNA. Mm. That's weird. Interesting. Um, yeah. Let's also talk about the waste. Yeah, talk yeah. about a big storm. You, big storm. You got the Vulian Swirl, which is the most dangerous of all Vigilus's geographic features. It's basically just an endless giant sandstorm, kind of like the uh, the Red Storm of Jupiter, but it doesn't move. It just stays in one location. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it basically, if you're unfortunate enough to somehow get caught in it, I don't know how you manage it, it doesn't actually move, so you must have walked into it. Uh, you get stripped away layer by layer over time. Uh, even the pauper princes don't want to go in there. Nope. Uh, it's, it was defined millennia ago as perimeter extremis by the Astrocartographica. Uh, even the orcs give it a wide berth merely because it can actually flip over their trucks and buggies and <laughs> render them useless. <laughs> um, occasionally smaller storms pop out of it, little cyclones and tornadoes that go along random trajectories. 
Uh, mostly those head towards the unpopulated side of the planet, but occasionally they veer towards the hive sprawls. Luckily, for some reason, the, uh, the psychic force fields manage to disperse these, uh, these random storms quite easily, but travelers outside, uh, were very unfortunate and got trapped. Mm. And there's also a little quote by a local elder who got disappeared for saying that there's something in the middle of the storm, whatever it is, it just sits in there riling it up. I'm not going to find out what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, no, no one wants anything to do with this place. <laughs> no, it's awful. Why would you do that? <laughs> exactly. Right, let's switch up to the Dirk Den Hive Sprawl. Um, so basically, this has mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. been abandoned by the elite uh, parts of uh, the vigilist population years ago, as it basically it reached its threshold mm. uh, and was the base of supplying what's known as the Gene Steel's Kiss, which is where the, it passes on its genetic pattern uh, for the mm-hmm. pauper princes. Uh, you've got the Ashenid Non-Hive, which is basically this half-finished ba- hive that stopped. they basically stopped in the middle to dig down instead. <laughs> for some reason, they thought, mm. let's not go high, yeah. let's go low. Um, plus other various areas like that. Uh, the subterranean levels were so infected with gene stealer cults at the end of the war that, that they had such big, they had almost bigger numbers than the Imperial forces, you know, so basically Grand Sire Worms forces were bigger than those of the Emperor, which is quite a scary thought for them. Uh, you've got the fort, I know it's crazy in it. You've got the, uh, the fort walls, which, um, basically Dirk, Dirk Den joined, is basically joined to Hyperia by what's known as the Hyperia Dirk Den Fort Wall. Uh, which is basically this huge defence with Rock Creek macro a macro highway, which Cameron mentioned earlier, uh, which is just like the one at the Mortwald Otec Fort Wall as well. Uh, there's yeah. also the Donata- the Dontaria uh, Mega Borealis line, uh, which is used for connecting the continents together, mainly for trading. Uh, basically, the aim of the Fort Wall f- was for Hyperia to boost Dirk Den and basically eventually become one. Um, but because they become becomes Dirk then became such a drain on Hyperia of resources, and obviously that led to the gene stealers uh, infesting. That it's just never, you know, happened basically. Mm, uh, but yeah. the one positive is the, the Fort Wall has done well, you know, during the war basically to hold the the orcs at bay, which is not an easy thing yeah. to do. Um, yeah. Over to Dontoria, you mm. know what you love it. It's known for overpopulation and literally nothing else. Um, <laughs> It's awfully polluted. It's got a single giant inland sea known as Lake Dontor, which is polluted to the point that uh, it makes you sick from drinking in it. Uh, but that didn't stop people building shanty towns on top of the water, <laughs> of course, because they were running out of room. Uh, these shanty towns, uh, they're, they're, they're poor in material, but they're rich in faith, especially after a giant warp portal opens up in the sky. Uh, and the Ministorum <laughs> basically, yeah, and, uh, the Ministorum basically co-opted the entire population into doing nothing but, uh, making auto-sanctioned relics and holy weaponry for the Ecclesiarchy to use. And, uh, a lot of the local gangers ended up becoming vigilant guard. Um, you know, no matter where they come from, at least they make good fighters. <laughs> exactly. Can't say about it myself. Um, right, wow, let's switch yeah. it up. Well, <laughs> we can switch it up to uh, Storval, which is a lovely place full of volcanoes and admech worshippers. Basically, uh, it's the main point of Storval is to use to power the planet. It was set up shortly after the the Pact of Fire and Steel. Uh, Fabricator Forge, that was a guy we mentioned earlier, the one that used his uh, mm. breaches and Promethean to <laughs> to burn a load of orcs and <laughs> Skatari, uh, using the influence of having the STCs uh, to perfect the tech to basically harness the, you know, the volcanic energy that's there. So basically rather than dreading when a tectonic shift is about to happen, it would do a good thing as in it would cause the energy 
you know, through their their machinery to spike heavily. Mm. Uh, it would cost the lives of certain Skatarian servitors and things like that. But getting that pure yeah. energy was you know worth it to, for the sake of running the planet. Uh, if storage of energy was too high, uh, an overflow was sent to down what's known as the Vorchian channels to Mega Borealis. And if Mega Mega Borealis didn't need it, it would then go to basically the next highest bidder of all the other hive sprawls mm. and say, right, who yeah. wants this spare energy? Uh, this led to to a lot of cult activity here. Basically, eruptions were believed to, believed to be the emperor's work, hence the sacrifice needed, <laughs> which is a nice way to see it. Uh, some saw the Admech as being corrupt, obviously, and re- you know, further rebellion would occur. These agents would work in secret, basically becoming part of or influencing cults, including that, <laughs> that volcanoes mm. could be uh, used to alter and transform the faithful into divine phoenix-like beings. Uh, mm. And obviously, obviously included a chaos cult under Vanna Dan the uh, the Firebrand, which we mentioned earlier. So yeah, a lovely yeah. place. And, lovely uh, place. Yeah. Do you want to finish the last area? Yeah, uh, the true marvel of the age. It's the Omnisian hoist. Everyone, you know it. You love it. It's yeah, the yeah. Uh, it's the giant space pulley elevator thing, Majig. Um, this has been. This was actually apparently a hypothesis hypothesis that intrigued tech priests for millennia, uh, and finally. They got to test it out effectively. Uh, it's basically, it, it goes so high it's invisible to the naked eye, uh, and it took almost an entire century to slowly build up the chains and reinforce them. Uh, it wasn't initially built to pull down asteroids. It was actually built to uh, keep a, a local space station, uh, Sacristora Hawking, uh, sort of repaired and under control. Like, its first shipments were basically taking down old sections of the space station and sending new segments up. Uh, but, you know, as soon as they figured out there was a whole bunch of ice-covered asteroids out there, they went, yes, we would like all that clean, clean space water, <laughs> and started shipping those up and down as well. Uh, and that's, that's all the, that's all the, uh, important places on Visualist, there's so many of them. Uh, we are now going to rapid-fire, like we're owning all our bolters, uh, yes. rapid-fire through the forces on Vigilus as fast as we can because we're yep. running out of time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> let's go for it. Right, so forces of the Imperium. So you've got uh, human soldiers defend- uh, that are defending Vigilus is known as the Imperium Vigilant, which is obviously a collection of different forces from conscripts to sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, military assets were only moved to other parts from continents to share supplies as and when they can, uh, with basic rules hold- holding on to their forces you know because they're generally greedy uh you know mm. um, with agamemnus and pontifex gulluk being perfect examples of this all these different power struggles were happening uh the guard commanders were obviously irritated that the leaders will never take the threat seriously but they just basically made their own little safety net between all the different imperial guard commanders to basically well yeah. if the leaders yeah. aren't helping us we'll 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 sort out ourselves uh obviously mm. the great rift then ended up destroying this safety net as obviously the comms were a bit all over the place uh you've got yeah. the aeronautica imperialis who was the basically the uh the air force who which were very mm. known for being very heroic you know using obviously lots of uh taking on obviously a lot of the orc aircraft using their thunderbolt and lightning fighters um yep, yep. And the, and things like that. And then the main one was at Rackets Mech Maze, which is where all the shanty towns and airstrips are. Uh, and then they basically used mm. a lot of these pilots as propaganda uh, to sort of boost morale. But a lot of them were uh, generally dead. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, and the Imperial Guard, they're often called a sledgehammer, but on Vigilus they had to play the, play the part of an anvil. Uh, they spent most of their time just locking down defensive areas while Space Marines zoomed in and hit 
hit orcs or gene stealers or Drakari or Eldari or chaos forces from behind. <laughs> There's a lot of fighting going on. Um, <laughs> the brazen claws sort of, uh, they, they strike hard and fast. They do a lot of drop pod invasions and mechanized attacks. Uh, the white scars and the raven wings basically blunt orc spearheads continually going back and forth with all their bikes. Uh, the Primaris Marines from the Void Tridents and Castellans of the Rifts, uh, do similar things, splitting up to take on Orcs and Drukhari, uh, in all these well-chosen engagements that force their opponents to stay on the back foot and retreat or be eradicated. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Right. Let's move on to the Ultramarines. As we know, they're statesmen and they use their diplomacy to basically structure the planet. Cargo, Calgar, you know, tore up the council in a night and, you know, putting a McCrag like Senate, bringing the powers together against, mm-hmm. you know, obviously is the real enemy. Um, they kept the Ultramarines in Hyperia to guard the new Senate, i.e. to not lose the power base and use the Ultramarines to basically use hit and run tactics. Uh, some Ultramarines were deployed mm-hmm. to guard bridges near the, that, that crossed the Ring of Nothingness that we mentioned earlier. Uh, no easy foot. So basically no easy foot invasion could happen, you know, going into the palace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Eldar used jet, jet bikes to, to bypass, um, bypass, <laughs> bypass. <laughs> oh, that's a different word, uh, bypass this, uh, but eventually were taken down, luckily, for the Ultramarines. Uh, Calgar and the Ultramarines were accused of not doing much, but believed, you know, to be in waiting. Uh, basically, they struck first when the Black Legion arrived. Uh, you know, every move that Calgar did was calculated, you know, obviously trying to deal with all mm. these Xenos races, plus obviously dealing with chaos. Uh, and obviously, he had a personal reason to be there, which is obviously recovering from his Primaris upgrade. Yeah, so let's talk about the Rubicon Primaris really quickly. Mm. Uh, hey, you know all that debate that's been happening in the Warhammer community for the last year over whether Primaris Marines are good? Um, the Space Marines were doing that as well amongst themselves going, are we being replaced? Will yeah. we become like that? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it was, it was a difficult thing to really think about because, uh, Belisarius Cole needs to do some experimenting before he can be sure to upgrade, uh, Space Marines properly to Primaris Marines. Uh, and he suggests there'd be about a 61.6% failure rate where you would just straight up end up dead. So <laughs> current, current stage two-thirds of everyone being turned into a Primaris Marine would die, which is unacceptable when you're working with Space Marines, yes. um, obviously. <laughs> uh, and Marnius Calgo goes, okay, enough enough debate about all this. I want, I want people to understand that this is okay. We can do this. So I, Marnius Calgo, will go through first. Yes. I'll be the very first person to get upgraded. Um, now, the thing is, it was very painful and not great. Um, because you needed three whole new organs. You need, uh, you need a brain surgery for the Magnificat, uh, which helps stimulate your growth and, uh, organ functions. You need to get your ribcage pulled apart to put the Belisarian furnace in for all the hypersteroids when you're about to die. Uh, but the worst part is the sinew coils where they have to wrap metallic fiber around every muscle and tendon in your body, which takes horrific amounts of time. So basically, the process is they cut him open, they skin him. <laughs> On, nice. on the slab, um, and they have to turn off his own self-healing, like the natural healing abilities of a space marine, to the point where he actually died on the operating table and was dead for over 20 minutes before he was shocked <laughs> back to life once he'd been <laughs> stitched back up. Uh, he actually, uh, Doom 2016 style, broke out of his bonds and stumbled to life. Um, <laughs> uh, and in doing so, showed that, hey, it's okay to be a Primaris Marine. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. Right, talking to Primaris Marines, let's move on to the Dark Angels. So their uh, sort of delegate was Primaris uh, Lieutenant Codden, a sort of young and uh, 
sort of surprising one to Kalgar because he basically didn't give any of the Dark Angels plans to the council. You know, suspecting maybe mm. he didn't know what the plans were. Uh, Kalgar noticed that that the Primaris that were in the Dark Angels were kept se- kept separate from the like the Death Wing and the Raven Wing, mm-hmm. um, usually to be in the spearhead of the attack instead. Um, they noticed there was strange behaviour, like when obviously they abandoned the White Scars when dealing with the Orcs. Kalgar noticed that the, the Dark Angels were always fighting near the Vulian Swirl Dust Storm, and he found it was quite odd what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, it led yeah. to the Dark Angels. Uh, being, committing their full force when chaos struck um obviously mentioning their use of their dark talons which are their strange winged craft um yeah and that's mm. basically what the dark angels did yeah yeah uh and then we have the white scars you know them you love them they're mongols with bikes um <laughs> <laughs> uh they on vigilus they fight under olujin khan a captain known for bombastic and passionate character uh, and, you know, he was entrusted with the leadership of the Vigilist expedition that not that included not only the White Scars themselves, but also White Scars' successors. So there were two full companies of White Scars, along with half companies from the Solar Hawks, the Storm Reapers, and the Destroyers. I want to know more about them. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, and the fact that they pulled all these men out for this actually says a lot, because they were one of the most horrifically entrenched chapters across many fronts. Like, mm. this was a lot for them to pull out, uh, just for this, uh... Chogorus itself, the White Scar's homeworld, had just been freed from the stranglehold of chaos. Uh, the Great Khan, their chapter master Jubal, was still actually missing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, your your duty to the wider Imperium can't be put aside, so off you go to Vigilus. Um, their librarians, known as Stormseers, saw that Vigilus was going to be overrun by orcs. And Olujin is like, yeah, I love fighting orcs. They go fast. We go fast. <laughs> um, they're nice and predictable instead of all these Slanesh cultists I've been fighting for the last 50 years. So, yeah, let's let's go to Vigilus. Uh, also, his veteran suggested that if he did well on Vigilus, he might actually be the next chapter master. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Uh, so, he made an impact in Swift and Vengeful Assaults. He landed near Fort Dacker and did a lot of strafing battles with Cruel Dacker's forces. Uh, and, you know, they, uh, were pretty well protected by the fact that they go very fast and there's a lot of dust thrown up. So it's, orcs are already bad enough at shooting, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they did a lot of work with the Ravenwing, uh, at least until the Ravenwing left them for no apparent reason. Uh, Dark Angels can't be trusted. They just sped <laughs> off in a random direction halfway through a fight when they were about to actually kill Cruel Darker. Like, they could have brought the Orc Assault to an end if the Ravenwing hadn't left to go do Dark Angel things. <laughs> uh, and so, the White Scars went, you know what, actually, screw this. Uh, let's work with the Imperial Guard more. Uh, and so, they started protecting convoys, and they basically ensured that resources got where they had to do when they had to do. When they when they had to go when they had to. Yeah. yeah there we go. Nice. <laughs> mm. Right, uh, let's move on to the Imperial Fists, uh, who are led by Captain uh, Fane, uh, working obviously with Kalgar, which sort of is parallel to when Dawn and Gulliman used to uh, work together. Uh, they basically defended mm. the Cactus Forest of uh, Mortwald against the Orcs in predominantly in Phase 2 and 3 of, of the war, uh, basically you know combining obviously with the Knights, Katachans, uh, Akkadians, mm. etc., um, the astronaut time joked that they were sort of known as the, the thin yellow line, basically camouflaged <laughs> against the backdrop of the trenches when they were sort of dug in. Uh, but as we know, the Imperial Fists pride themselves on siege warfare, being stubborn and not letting the enemy win, which will see very handy on Vigilus. Mm. Yeah. So the other, the other Sons of Dawn. 
Yeah, the Crimson Fists were also there, and they had just had a really bad time on Rin's world, their home's world. Um, th- things were pretty rough. They lost their fortress monastery. Most of the chapter was killed immediately. Like there was less than forty percent of the entire chapter left after that. Uh, but the Indominus Crusade brought an absolute boatload of Primaris Marines for them. And unlike a lot of other chapters, the, the Crimson Fist went, this is wonderful, thank you so much. We'll immediately train them to be just like us, thank you. Uh, every new recruit goes through their trial where they have to kill a barbed dragon to barehanded to be able to paint their gauntlet red. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, a few traditionalists saw inducting so many off-worlders as changing the, uh, the soul of the Brotherhood, but Gilliman and Pedro Cantor, the Crimson Fist, uh, lead, uh, chapter master were like, no, we've got to do this. We need the men, effectively. Uh, Pedro Cantor took five full companies, entirely half of the chapter, down to Vigilus. Uh, they were back and forth, not ready just to, to fight and die just for their homeworld, but for the far-flung worlds of the Imperium. Uh, and they didn't drop pod in, instead they came in on Thunderhawk gunships and actually asked where they should be deployed, because they weren't here to win their own glory, they were here to effectively serve the Imperium as thanks for this wonderful chance to be a chapter <laughs> still, yeah. instead of being wiped out by orcs. Uh, they were pretty disappointed they weren't sent to fight orcs, but they were mostly sent to fight Gene Steeler cults. Uh, but, you know, Cantor's a cool guy, so it's like, no, no, I understand, let's just go, we gotta take care of this as well. Uh, they did have the awkward thing where they had to kill all those civilians mm. down in Dirkton. Uh, but, you know, it's what they had to do. And without the efficiency and conviction of the Crimson Fists, uh, you know, Hyperia would have fallen long before the end of the war. True indeed. Right. So we got the uh, some of the new Primaris only chapters, mm-hmm. as briefly mentioned. Uh, so you got the Castellans yep. of the Rift. They were basically sent to the uh, Nachmund Gauntlet by Gilliman to deal with chaos machine, you know, machines and renegade knights mm. and things like that. So basically, two companies travelled to Vigilus to use their experience to uh, that from fighting chaos and, and ended up fighting a lot of the cults mm-hmm. of Store Val in the uh, third phase. Uh, you got then, like I said, the Necropolis Hawks that we mentioned, which are the uh, the city mm-hmm. fighting experts. They they wear their role on their pauldrons or their backpacks so their comrades can see them, you know, with all the dust and and stuff going on. So uh, which is really mm-hmm. quite cool. Um, basically, they yeah. help deal with the the xenos insurrection and the uh, the galapox infection in dontoria as we know yeah yeah uh we also have the sons of the phoenix who everyone knows these proud sons of dawn am i right yep. yeah yeah definitely we all know them we all love children. them no. uh there's a there's a great little footnote the off-white armor of the sons of the phoenix symbolizes their purity why is it off-white <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, uh, but they uh, they got a good reputation for basically leveling these massive firestorms in the middle of battle and then just walking through them, <laughs> which is pretty impressive <laughs> oh, to be fair. Awesome. Yeah, uh, you also have the Void Tridents, who Void Tridents, who were recruited from the ocean world of Talisar, and they follow the naval traditions of the Ultramarine Empire. Uh, they're known for being very good in spacefaring and void warfare. Uh, their chapter master, Lord Commodore Theodro Vethras. Nice. What <laughs> they name. were actually. Yeah, they were actually the first chapter to cross the Nachman Gauntlet and reach Vigilus. They outran a demon fleet led by Warpsmith Tsungdan as they cut past Om- Omis Prion. Uh, if they hadn't picked up the distress signals on Vigilus, they would have uh, probably actually destroyed him, but they figured we should probably get there first. <laughs> yeah. Vigilus is more important than this one guy. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, right, the the Adeptus uh, Mechanicus. Uh, so basically, after the the Pact of Fire and Steel, uh, they like we know they took control of Mega Borealis and went on a mysterious agenda, uh, which is quite usual of Admech, but 
basically it was even se- mm. they were even secretive to the council or what they were up to. Um, the the Stygis Eight Admeca known for being untrustworthy to other tech priests anyway, uh, but mainly because their planet was saved by an Eldar uh, force during the yeah. Horus Heresy, and then uh, obviously <laughs> because of that they've been had quite an interest in Xenos tech, which you know has obviously got them that reputation. Um, mm. The the priest of Mega Borealis and Storval mined the crust for. Uh, Blackstone that we know, uh, especially since obviously uh, Belisarius Call has really craved it. So they thought, oh, if he wants it, then we should want it too. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. but obviously the Blackstone of Vigilus has a bit of a quirk to it. Uh, usually, it can be shaped to attract or repel uh, energy. Um, speculation is that the fortresses basically reinforce a barrier between the warp and the material space. Uh, but Vigilus Blackstone is sort of found to be in like spear-like shards hel- held in hollow. Sp- uh, spheres, but always pointing towards Sir, uh, Sir Gera, uh Terra, no matter what the axes is of the planet, which is quite freaky. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. that, <laughs> so basically, maybe that's what makes the gateway. I wonder. Mm. Mm. So, uh, so mm. obviously, because of that, the Admac have reinforced this position due to the discovery because they want to know what's going to go on with it. So mm. yeah, that's Wonderful. the Admac. Um, the Astra Militarum on Vigilus are pulled from many, many, many different regiments. Uh, and they were basically used by the Agamemnuses, the, uh, the governors, the governor and his, uh, brother to basically safeguard which areas they wanted, including putting all the Katachin warriors inside the cactus forest part of <laughs> Mortwall, because yeah, of course. Why yeah, why not? Um, and also the Vigilant Guard, which are the native, uh, Vigilus Imperial Guardsmen who are severely, severely infiltrated by the, uh, the Adeptus Ministorum are actually uh, really, really good mm. uh, after the Great Rift, because everyone's having these horrific nightmares, except them. They sleep sound, and the knowledge that the Emperor protects them. <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Militarum Tempestus are also there. They're, I mean, they're technically part of the Imperial Guard, but they really are separate. <laughs> Honestly, they like to work alone, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they sort of recognized that morale was of peak importance, and so they used um, assassin... They basically used their forces to prevent assassination attempts and to keep leadership and morale safe. Yeah. Uh, all the way up until... Uh, I was going to say Gilliman arrived. It's not Gilliman. It's Calgar arrived yeah. to take care of things for them. <laughs> right. Uh, let's move on to the uh, the old Sisters of Battle. Uh, so, obviously, we know they're the personification of the Imperial Creed. They defended and kept the Hive Sprawls safe throughout Vigilus for 4,000 years. The the Order of the Martyred Lady kept the threats of chaos under control. Mm. And, and due to their urbanization, they used to fighting in build-up areas. Uh, the sisters in Hyperia have, have become a, quite a mechanized force and used to dealing with sort of civil control. Uh, using the data mm. from the Order Diogis, uh, they could predict threats and act swiftly to them. And then obviously they reinforced mm. them to dealing with orcs at the start of the war. Um, this influence led to like priories and abbeys, basically being built in every high sprawl uh which ultimately show, showed its value obviously when the uh, the orcs and the uh, gene stealer cults came along um this is all under canoness superior temperance blaze <laughs> what a name uh was God, so name. she was so feared that the council basically said look yeah do what you want <laughs> you've got full reign <laughs> under this um, and basically she had a load of canonesses and and people under known as the sacred thorns which again is a really cool name mm-hmm. uh she met the uh, chapter masters directly when they arrived and dealt with the war in person on the front lines we went back to being a war leader when things got into a bit of a stalemate uh and the, the space marines would work quite closely with the sisters as they you know usually with 
Imperial Guard, they're like, yeah, I don't care what you have to say. But they took the sisters seriously because they knew they knew the streets. They were streetwise, basically. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, and then we have the Knights of Vigilus. Uh, there were some Quester Imperialis, some Scions of the Mechanicus, and even some pre- free blades from Darivar. You remember that uh, Excommunicate Traitorous world. Uh, and, you know, they basically were there to help turn the tide against all the orc war walkers, the stompers, etc., etc., the gargants. Um, but they were a bit too eager for it, you know? Uh, <laughs> they sort of, they sort of let themselves get overextended and eventually were outmatched and slain in many instances, to the point where at the end of the War of the Beast, there were actually only four Imperial Knights left on the entire <laughs> planet. Which, that's, that's some heavy casualties. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, yeah, let's go on to the Orcs. Um, so basically all the Orc clans and cultures somehow made it to Vigilus after bouncing off the force fields initially. The Imperials used this time to basically catalogue all the Orc forces that were present. Uh, later on, this information, plus, you know, eyewitnesses and servo skull mm. pictures and, um, and dealing with, like, blood axe mercenaries, for example, uh, the Imperials could basically paint a picture of, of all the orcs were on the planet because obviously it was getting out mm. of control. Uh, once the shields went down, billions of orcs assaulted the vigilous urban areas, raising most parts of the you know the continent to the ground, uh, which is known as the Great uh, Ransack. Uh, speed war was also happening that we know, obviously going around the outskirts of the planet to find any you know fights and battles that they could. And obviously we know about the scrap cities, which the main structure in each is the largest spaceship that made it to planet full without being destroyed. Uh, this dead. Sorry, this uh, dictated the theme of each scrap city, such as the flagship um, having mech workshops used to build uh, like death dreads and stompers. Uh, each one had mm. a single leader, generally like a big mech or a war boss. Mm-mm-mm. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, Orcs started off on visuals with the big speed freak races, obviously, because they couldn't quite get to the fight because of all those psychic force fields. <laughs> uh, however, all these fort walls and macro highways that connect the different hive sprawls actually make it impossible to do a proper race all around the planet or all around each continent because they're in the way. You can't drive over them. They're like a <laughs> half kilometer tall wall in the middle of the desert. Um, now, Cruel Dacker wasn't having none of this. He would fix this. Uh, so he was racing with, uh, in his battle wagon with, uh, someone in a shock jump dragster. It was Boss Shock, actually, in a shock jump dragster. Um, and actually let him overtake him, much to, like, the, <laughs> the awe and surprise of all the orcs watching the race. Uh, on the signal, um, <laughs> on the signal, basically, he threw up a custom force field with one of his mechs over all the vehicles and then had Boss Shock trigger the, uh, shock drive to open a much larger warp portal than normal and just drove his battle wagon through the warp <laughs> out the other side of the fort wall, allowing all of the orcs to go, oh, cool, we can actually race through these warp cuts, effectively, yep. is what they called them, to open these routes through all of the macro highways connecting all the different hive sprawls. <laughs> that is awesome. That is such an orc yeah. thing to do. <laughs> it is so orc. <laughs> ah, right, well, talking of uh, Cruel Daka, let's talk about his forces. So he's based in Fort Daka and obviously in charge due to having the largest battle wagon and the fightiest, but not necessarily the fastest of the battle wagons. Uh, mm-hmm. But no orc dared challenge him and, and his Blitz Brigade, especially with the fire power they had. Because uh, mm. also he's known for his very long memory and also his 10-foot chain axe, <laughs> which Jesus. had an influence. <laughs> 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 um, so his battle wagon is called uh, Planet Grinder. Uh, anyone nice. tried to beat him to the line would have to deal with a hail of bullets crushed under wheels or a beating later. So it wasn't wise to say that you beat him. Um, 
and you know obviously earn th- respect through violence that's obviously the orc way you've got um osgrog and boss narka uh basically always competing to be his sort of second in command uh this was like a 10 year 10 year rivalry um each, basically each pushing mm. the other further on uh you got the the uh, oil guzzlers which is basically an orc knob riding you know knobs riding on bikes uh which were always trying to prove themselves mm. and it sort of became a bit of an arena uh, to be part of his crew uh, you got the uh, the hub drop skin flints, which are basically orcs who are just hiding from a, <laughs> from a beating from him. Um, you got uh, Drogzot's crater, which we know is full to bring with scrap. Using you have to use rocket packs to get around with the fuel taken from the 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 ship that's there, which is called the fistful of spanners. Um, you got Rich Git mm. Drux crew. Which is known as the Speed and Superstars, uh, considered the flash gits of the road on Vigilus. Um, they were kept running by big rigs, tanker crawlers, you know, with fuel, and uh, uh, Drogzot's Grave Raiders, which are basically a bunch of thieves. Uh, tanker Spill is, in, uh, you've got Big Tanker in. Uh, in charge there, which is basically all about strength over speed, you know, to try and impress uh, Cruel Dacker. Uh, devoted, basically, tanker spill to making huge walkers and battle tanks, uh, including Odd Mech, owner of two of the looted Blaine Bades that were around. Uh, you got the raid on the uh, Dirkdan Exodus, which is basically where the pauper princes cause citizens to flee Dirkdan towards Hyperia. Uh, citizens have been turned back from the Hyperia Dirkdan Fort Wall due to the cultists among them leading, you know, to Kate, the, uh, obviously, like we know, the Cadians and the Crimson fist shooting at them uh, obviously with dirt and overrun with gene stealers a huge flu, uh, flow of refugees drove off parallel to the uh, the fort war um and then basically once uh cruel daka got word he sped towards them for an easy fight uh the vigilant guard defended them because obviously basically they were defending their families mm. uh, effectively uh but obviously ended up getting overwhelmed his blitz brigade tore through the tanks um and obviously as we know used the uh the shock attack to go through the fort war yeah mm. yeah uh, then we have Mad Goth Merc, the lord of an empire of dust. He doesn't care. He exists only to destroy. <laughs> um, his weird boys have rumors that he didn't make it out of the warp without bringing something horrible with him. Uh, he was in charge of the scrap city he called Warboss Merc's strong boss fort of guns and killing axes. But everyone just called it Scumtown, uh, which he was not happy with. Um... Yeah, it is basically just the bare bones of a bunch of wrecked ships. Uh, he had no creativity for anything except making weapons, so his scrap city was pretty poor. Uh, but no, of course, no one talked about it to him because he would just kill all of them otherwise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he eventually decided, I'm going to go off to Mega Borealis with all my buddies and just loot the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, Why not? Exactly. So we'll move on to Big Mech Zogbag, um, which is a collection of uh, various areas. You've got Gork's Landing, uh, boss, which is where he's the boss of, uh, basically rumoured to create in his own different creations but it's not really true he's just basically got a good reputation uh due to the mm. things he does with his dread mobs you've got uh, the wheel hub which is done by uh, big mech uh, tank scrapper who's an apprentice who landed in a mic hauler called the big tugger uh he's a builder of wagons that were really tough but not nice to look at basically many were built on the journey to vigilus and managed to survive the crash so uh, the crash so big tugger is basically now the scrap city focal point of the uh, wheel hub uh the speed freaks uh love him for for the fact he can tinker uh you've got rivals of, of sorts with the no, known as the wheel boss and uh mech breaker drac of the speedster boss cult uh basically inspired by his master he set about building huge walkers including the um <laughs> the gargant 
Gorkzilla, which is brilliant. Uh, Gorkzilla. Gorkzilla. Um, that even basically <laughs> Titans would struggle to deal with. Um, you got uh, Rackets, uh, Mech Maze, which is a ma- basically a maze of shanty towns, often driven through for loot, but usually ended up with something being stolen. <laughs> uh, right in the centre, <laughs> which is the, the sort of the key bit of it, is a quartet of airstrips. Basically, these were used to host uh, Nakadrax, uh, Doom Squadron, Warthogs, Daka Planes, Ratix Flyboys, which are part of the Speed Freak Elite. Uh, say that when you're drunk. Uh, unaware, mm. uh, Drak, um reported to uh, Cruel Daka directly. Basically, they formed the largest orc air force on the planet with pilots not as good as Imperials, but obviously were very persistent. And lastly, you've got Hurricane uh, Wreck and the Stygian Spires. Basically, Bad Mech uh, Raxaga crashed a ship known as Boss Tooth near the, uh, near the swirl. Over the war, the, basically, the winds started to move the fortress town. Um, and then basically, weird boys interpreted this as sort of impending doom and uh ragzaka basically allied with uh, mad goth merc to attack the stygian spies mm. but were pushed back by the iron hands but unfortunately it fell to the gene stealer cults anyway <laughs> yeah yeah uh then we have the stomper mobs big mech zog bag uh was he, he had an imagination what he really wanted was to build something big killy and stompy uh, so he started out with Gorkonauts and Morkonauts and sold them off to get the stuff he actually needed to build bigger <laughs> bigger machines. And, you know, after a while, he's like, no, that's not enough. I need something better and started building stompers. And that still wasn't enough. So he sold off all the stompers and then started building a true Gargant. Um, and sort of this sparked a renaissance of mech inventiveness across the planet because all the mechs heard about these massive war walkers being built. Uh, they were called the Mech Fist Gargants. Uh, he was the trailblazer, but... Big, uh, mech boss Big Tanker was the one to sort of bring them to the pinnacle of destructiveness. Uh, he made a dread mob of over 50 walkers, uh, <laughs> to sort of attack the Danos trench line out in Mortwald. Uh, the, the spitter knobs were given these massive walking machines by Big Tanker, uh, t- which sort of granted him this permanent alliance with, uh, Speed Boss Supreme Cruel Dacker. He made a giant can factory to make a bunch of killer cans. And yeah, uh, basically these guys rampaged around until the knights got to them. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, over at the Runt Hive, a snakebite warboss basically took control of a bunch of grots and forced them to breed squigoths bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until they were big enough to flip over an imperial bane blade with a flick of their tusks. <laughs> Famously bad tempered, bad tempered and devastatingly flatulent. They were goaded into a stampede towards Dontoria, flattened an entire district, and then left to go eat something. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Right, uh, the Gene Stealer cults. um, As we know, the cult of the Pauper Princes started on Chance's Vale, but ended up spreading Vigilus with a cult being millions or billions strong sometimes. Uh, To the Ordo Xenos, the original occurrence is known as the uh, Genesis Infestation. Uh, Basically, later ones use heraldry from this to show their allegiance and obviously their connections. Uh, these ways uh, to ad- identify often use so cultists can fit in with society. The pauper princes, basically their later infestations were very similar to the first. I.e., the, the patriarch descended from the Genesis infestation. Uh, therefore, they have like similar colouring of like their flesh and things like that. Uh, on Vigilus, they would often wear like armbands and tattoos used to identify, but obviously were hidden from sight. Um, all cultists in a population are basically known as a gene sect, and obviously there's several of them on Vigilus. Uh, they may have like different markings and things like that, but under the same 
patriarch, basically. Uh, the Vigilist infestation has managed many full cycles, uh, and basically the cult has massively grown uh, to the point where there's even different gene sects in different places. Um, each of these sects have different war have a, a war leader of sorts could be a major suprimus uh, often we like the magi often in communication with each other to sort of coordinate attacks and things like that uh, each of those then can break down into what's known as claws which are basically strike forces uh, and they generally have at least one leader uh, when the original gene sect has the chance um, they'll send off other pure strain gene stealers to set up a new sect and obviously that's how the infestation sort of continues mm. um, usually there's only usually one patriarch but there is a rumor that in vigilus's case because there's so many there could have been a second uh, patriarch as well but that's sort mm. of unconfirmed <laughs> <laughs> cool uh, and then we have the forces of the asuriani uh, they were basically here as uh, Simehan warriors to t- try and take out a chaos cult. Uh, and, you know, then they tried to assassinate the council that had just been disbanded, and that didn't go so well. So they basically <laughs> just withdrew and occasionally killed uh, chaos worshippers to help uh, to help uh, out with the war effort in general. And when Manis Kalgar finally sent an investigative force up into the top of the spires, he found out that the Asuriani had been fighting the raptors up there. Uh, you, he found a lot of Chaos Worshippers slashed apart by shurikens, basically. Nice. Yeah, and to uh, wrap it all up, the Drukhari, uh, they were, they've been there for a long time. They've been raiding through the Webway Gate for a long time. Uh, but as the War of the Beast went on and on and on, it suddenly shifted. It wasn't just the Catalites raiding anymore. Uh, the Haemonculus Covens, in particular the Coven of the Altered, had taken a particular personal interest in the fight there uh, because... Earlier during the Indominus Crusade, Reboot Gilliman had kind of ruined all their plans, and so they decided to start kidnapping Ultramarines, in particular Primaris Marines. (laughs) A, for the fight pits, but B, wouldn't it be great if we could incorporate Primaris technology into all our pain engines, etc., etc.? Oh, yeah. They also made pain engines out of the giant ice mantises (laughs) and sort of sent them to, to devour and, you know, destroy Imperial Guard areas stuff. Uh, wherever they could, they lured away and stole single or singles and pairs of marines, and even in some cases they nicked whole squads of Primaris marines. <laughs> which they got impressive. some balls, haven't they? Really, the Jakari. <laughs> oh, they really do. <laughs> and uh, hey, that very quickly but very fortunately wraps up the lore of Vigilance. Yes. There's still half the book left, but we ain't covering that. No, that's not our stick. Exactly. We <laughs> hope you've enjoyed this. Rather large summary of uh, Vigilus, Defiant, and what's been going on. Uh, it's great to be back after our little oh, Christmas yeah. and New Year break. And like we said, we've got much more to come. Uh, can't wait for next episode. So we hope you've enjoyed this one. Thank you for your support, as always. And mm-hmm. we'll check you on the next episode. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.